Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 The dream once again here on a fabulous Sunday. This is Fox Sports Sunday, and we are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Richie, how are you on this big Sunday? I'm good, man. I'm good. We, um, we're we finally here, guys. We made it to game two of the NBA Finals. <laughs> and by the way, this series is really going to drag out. Uh, they don't have game three until Wednesday. Wow. So, uh, yeah, they are. And I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, if this series by a miracle would actually go seven games, um, I believe it ends on the 18th. Wow. Yeah. So the NBA is desperately trying to stretch this thing out, but the only way they're going to get people to actually continue to watch is if we get competitive games. So we're going to have uh, plenty on what's going on as far as uh, game two of the NBA finals, which is going to be later on tonight in Denver. But before we get started here, Richie, I want to welcome a brand new affiliate, Peoria, Illinois, Peoria Sports Radio 101.1. Welcome to the Fox Sports Radio family. They're a Chicago White Sox Radio Network affiliate and their program director, Scott Heckathorn. He dropped another network and flipped to Fox Sports. Big win for them, big win for us. Welcome to the Fox Sports Radio family, Peoria Sports Radio 101.1. That's awesome. Yeah, spent a lot of time in Illinois during the course of my playing career, both at Penn State and, you know, uh, several teams in the NFL. Had a lot of luck there. Uh, so no offense, but when my visits to uh, Champaign or Chicago, they were fruitful, to say the very least. But nonetheless, welcome Peoria 101.1. We're glad to have you. Absolutely. Um, we're going to have uh, John Palmarosi is going to be joining us coming up. We'll talk about Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final as Las Vegas jumped all over uh, Game 1. And then, of course, we'll get into some Major League Baseball with JP coming up here shortly. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about this NBA final series here, Rich. And, you know, the one thing uh, I, I've been talking about all weekend long in watching Nikola Jokic is we, we always talk about copycats in all sports, right? Suddenly yep. a team wins a championship. All right, what are they doing? 
And this is how three-point shooting became such a main cog in the whole offensive game plan for these NBA teams was the Golden State Warriors winning all those championships. And I'm watching Jokic, and for so many people, this is really the first time they've gotten to see this guy, right? I mean, Denver doesn't get a lot of coverage. We don't get to see a lot of Denver games. You see the stats, you hear about the MVPs, but if you haven't really watched Jokic, you're seeing him for the first time, and you're like, damn, this guy's good. And why he's good is the fact that he understood his limitations, because he's not a very athletic guy, but he's a big body. And he has insane court awareness that not only allows him to be one of the best passing big men that we've seen, but also a guy when he's around the basket, because he's not a big dunk guy, right? He's not going to sky up there and dunk, but he can make shots around the basket because he has great court awareness. But this was a second round pick. And no one's denying that the scattering report was accurate. He wasn't athletic. He's just another big guy. Uh, and there's a lot of the guys like that that we never hear from. They ride the bench. But this guy became an MVP. And I just wonder, moving forward, if teams are going to look around for someone like Jokic, who had a high basketball IQ, but he didn't have necessarily the athleticism we associate with the most valuable player in the NBA. He developed his game. And what they've done over these years is develop his game, and then that's developed the game of everyone on this Denver Nuggets team, and that's where they're three wins away from a championship. So I'm just wondering if the Nuggets complete the job, which I think they will, whether or not other teams are going to start looking at big guys in a different vein instead of camping them out at the three-point line. How about a versatile guy that can do all the things that we see Jokic do in seemingly every game? Well, it's just such a rare mix. Normally, when you see a player, you know, who's six foot eleven, seven feet tall, like a, a Jokic or a Dirk Nowitzki or a Kevin Durant, you know, who are all really tall guys, they're not athletes, um, and they can't ball handle. Um, Jokic may not have been an athlete when he was drafted, but he's turned himself into one because he he's not afraid to dribble. He's not afraid to create and kick. And Kevin Durant, uh, while he's a great jump shooter, he, he's also good off the dribble. And Dirt Nowitzki, he was never afraid to, to ball handle because he could. You know, it takes a special skilled athlete at that height to be able to do those sort of things, you know. And when you when you have that rare collection of basketball skill and and gracefulness to, to put you know, to put a word on it, and you can still be one of those guys who can get down there in the low post and you know create when you're fed the rock you know get get rebounds you know box people out um and and then also to have the court vision that Jokic has like these are these are I don't want to say once in a lifetime because we have a couple examples who have played in close succession um like him but but he is inarguably and especially if he wins a final here one of the more special talents we've seen in a very long time. And the fact that he's been able to lead this team, a franchise who's never been to an NBA Finals, to the fi- to the final, and the fact that he's done it basically playing in an offense that's created their entire offensive identity around him. 
I mean, it speaks a lot to how the the game has changed. It used to be all about the big man. And then it went beyond the three-point line because the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry really renovated the game and gave it, you know, an update. But now, if you have a dominant big man, the way the rules have changed, the the fouls that he gets called for, who's good at the free throw line, well, all of a sudden you've got a real chance to do some special things. And they never, they never uh, uh, strayed away from this formula. They they've they've trusted Jokic, and as a result, they're they're they're. They're reaping the benefits of it. Well, and they're oh, both these teams are reaping the benefits of stability. You know, once again, we've had five vacancies uh, in the NBA. Four of them have already been filled. A couple filled by guys that just were fired. Uh, it's amazing. You get fired, and then you get more money, like Monty Williams did by Detroit. And um, but that's the, that's the you know the constant carousel. Denver is stuck with Malone. You know, this is his eighth year with Denver, and he's been able to stay there. And, of course, last year it was tough because Murray was out for the year, um, so they didn't have the season they were hoping to have, but he's back with a vengeance. But they, they allowed Malone to develop as a head coach, to follow through on his game plan, and they're reaping the benefits. And, obviously, the, the situation with the Miami Heat is well-versed. I mean, Pat Riley runs that organization. Oh, yeah. Spolster was his hand-picked successor. Spolster, obviously, has had great success. He'll be in the Hall of Fame some days. Had six trips to the NBA Finals. But there's a lot to be said about just, you know, stability. We, we talk about the Steelers constantly, you know, and that, you know, Mike Tomlin a year ago, you know, Roethlisberger retires and that's it. You know, you're going to have to break in a rookie quarterback. It looked awful in midseason, but there's a certain stability in an organization by season's end. They're nine and eight. It's like, yeah. how did he do that? Well, I think a lot of it just has to do with organizational structure. And both of these organizations, the Heat and Nuggets, have a level of stability. And that's, to me, a big reason why both these teams are in the NBA Finals. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's a big piece to it. I, I don't want to give too much credit to coaching in the NBA because I don't think normally um, – we, we talk a lot about coaching in the NBA because I don't think it's as important in the NBA as other sports. Look, I, I mean, let's face it. We wouldn't be talking about Eric Spol- Spolstra or any coach, you know, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, if they didn't have amazing superstar players. I mean, this is a sport that you you if you don't have the goods, like Greg Popovich, he's been relatively anonymous lately. And the reason is because... Mono Ginobili and Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Kawhi Leonard are no longer San, uh, San Antonio Spurs. You know, I mean, one day, too, Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors will have to hit the reset button. And, um, and unless they've filled, refilled the coffers with more talent um, that can carry them beyond this era with Green and Thompson and Curry – it's there. There are dark days ahead because they those three superstars have carried that franchise for the past decade, and the same could be said about Jimmy Butler in Miami, and the same could be said about Jokic in Denver. If you don't have the goods, you don't have anything. You need to have the players to get the job done. There are times in other sports where you can see game plan and strategy uh, bail you out. College basketball, 
You don't always need a star. But if you have a better culture, a better coach, sometimes you can find your way into the tournament, and sometimes you could upset your way to a Sweet 16 or an Elite 8 or a, or a Final Four berth. You know, in, in college football, in the NFL, sometimes, you know, your army, you know, and, and you're going against Alabama. But you could catch them sleeping, or you could have an offense with just enough talent, but a strategy where maybe one Sunday, one Saturday rather, uh, the Crimson Tide can't stop the triple option. I mean, it happens. Sometimes in sports other than the NBA, other than really Major League Baseball, you can catch a team um, – you can catch a team who has a worse culture or better players who don't play as well as yours, don't play as together as yours, and benefit from it. But in the NBA, man, if you don't have star power, you've got nothing. And the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler, is an absolute stud. But he may have taken this team as far as they can because I just don't see how it's possible for what the Miami Heat has in just personnel to go against what Denver has. Because we've spent this whole time talking Jokic. We haven't even mentioned Jamal Murray, who's also a killer. Right. I mean, these guys are amazing basketball players, and they play amazingly well together. All right, we'll have much more on Game 2 of the NBA Finals. But on the flip side, we're going to catch up with our buddy John Paul Morosi. Give us the latest on the Major League Baseball scene, and are the Golden Knights as dominant in this Stanley Cup final as the Nuggets look in the NBA finals. That's coming up next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me from the world of football or fighting or even shows like HBO's Ballers. What you don't know is for my entire life, I have lived in something I refer to as the gray depression, anxiety. So now I'm coming out with a new podcast, Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer, where each week, while we talk about mental health, I hope to describe it. Give it words. Listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Steve Harbin, Rich Ornberger. This is Fox Sports Sunday, and we are live from the TireRack.com studios. Joining us right now. Makes my Sunday. No question about that. An opportunity to talk to a multifaceted individual that, among other things, is our Fox Sports Radio MLB insider. He's also Mr. Hockey. He is John Paul Morosi. JP, how are you today? to you on the west coast what a great weekend of sports we got the stanley cup final going on and some tremendous baseball matchups anytime that we get the dodgers and yankees on the same field that is a special occasion indeed all right so i want to jump on the stanley cup final because it mirrors what's going on in the nba finals you have a team that was the best team in the west Las Vegas going against a team that nobody thought would come out of the East in the Florida Panthers. Very similar to the Denver Nuggets-Miami Heat matchup. So game one in both these series look eerily similar. So we're going to be talking plenty about what the Miami Heat can do to try to get back in the series against the Nuggets. My question is, what can the Panthers do to try to get back in the series against the Golden Knights? Well, I think we saw last night that... The Panthers are obviously a very good team, but they were made to be a great team with the play of Bobrovsky through the Eastern Conference playoffs. And when Bobrovsky is just good as opposed to great, the Panthers are a much more beatable team. And that was the case last night. The, the, the Vegas Golden Knights have a lot more forward depth. You look at Mark Stone and really compare it to where the Golden Knights were a couple of years ago when they lost to the Canadians in the Stanley Cup semifinal. Stone was not very effective at all. Chandler Stevenson was injured. Jack Eichel was not yet a member of the organization. And now it's a very different forward picture for the Vegas Golden Knights. They're a better team. I think their defensive core is better. Zach Weichlund had a huge goal last night. So I think Florida has to get great goaltending from Bobrovsky, and then they've got to really play their game. I don't think that they were out of last night's game by any stretch until the very last several minutes where I think they got themselves pulled into a little bit of uh, too much extracurricular stuff late, the the after the whistle stuff. I think Vegas did a very good job of staying disciplined and not getting pulled into that. And as a result, I think Florida's going to have to beat them uh, with a little bit of speed. I think Barkov's going to have to be great. Kachuk is going to have to be great because they they don't quite have the same amount of depth as Vegas does. So look at the stars. The stars that they've got, Barkov, Kachuk, and Bobrovsky and Nett all have to be dynamic and game-changing forward to get back in the series in game two all right well we have you jp we gotta talk about this mlb season and i have to ask you a question about aaron judge so last year he puts up the 62 homers the al record um signs the giant contract we're all saying well you know that's the yankees right they they pay for their stars and aaron judge i mean how could he really have an act two to that kind of season it's going to be something less than that He's on pace to potentially have a better season. I I mean, he's he's slugging. uh, He has over a thousand OPS. I think he. What's the number now on home runs? I think it's nineteen. Yeah, nineteen on the year. JP, is it possible? Is it possible that Aaron Judge can match what he did last year, or dare I say, even have a better season? I I think it is. 
And the reason why, and, and this is why he was the, the, the MVP a year ago, is it's not just the home runs. The home runs are part of it, but it's not just that. It's, yes, the run production even when the ball's not going over the fence. It is moments like the catch when he goes through the fence, guys, through the fence to make a play on defense. And, and this, he has never been just a home run hitter. Never. That has never been his game. He's always been a well-rounded player. And I, I think whether he's been playing center field in recent years, which when Bader's out of the lineup he has to do, um, I, I compare it in some ways. If you recall, Miguel Cabrera won the Triple Crown in 12, and then in 13, even though he didn't win the Triple Crown, in many ways it was a more valuable year. And I think that's, that's where Judge is. That there's, if he hits 58 homers or 59, uh, no one's going to be able to tell me that, it, that this season was any less impressive because it's not just about that final number. The number helps, and he might hit 60 again. He might hit more. I mean, he's, he is that special of a talent. But, but remember one of the key things that he's doing for this team that I think is paramount in, in what his value is. Yeah, there was that brief time when he was out due to injury, but he plays almost every single day. And, and that, to me, is, is the immense value of a superstar player. When you go to the post every day, and you're reliable for your team every day. They've had Stanton has been out, and Donaldson's been out. LeMahieu missed time at the end of last season. Judge has been the metronome of this team. And when you've got someone who is this talented and also this reliable, it is extraordinary value and why uh, it's such a fun discussion to go back and forth and say, well, who's the more valuable player, Judge or Otani? Judge is in there every single day, and, and he plays great defense and will literally go through a wall to make a catch for his team. There are not many players as talented as Judge who also work as hard as he does and are as selfless as he is, and that's why Aaron Judge is so great. So we were talking a little bit earlier, uh, JP, Rich and I, about stabilities in organizations. Um, Rich is not a big fan of coaches outside of NFL coaches. Uh, he, he insists managers are completely worthless, and NBA coaches are not far behind. But I look at the Arizona Diamondbacks' bounce-back season, and they stuck with Torrey Lovello. I mean, this is a guy that two years ago lost 110 games. Usually when that happens, a manager walks the plank. Why didn't he, and how much of a factor is that stability at manager for this turnaround this year with Arizona? And I'm glad you mentioned Lavello because uh, this team now, uh, they're one of the top two teams in the National League along with the Dodgers. And it's amazing to say, and it's true. Uh, I think that a couple things have happened that have swung things back in the D-backs' favor. You're right. Torrey is a very patient leader. He does love to teach the game. Uh, there's a reason why, and I think it's important for all of us, no matter what sport that we're talking about, for a long time, Torrey was the name among managerial prospects. He had worked with John Farrell in Toronto and then Boston, and then the D-backs hired him. Of course, he was known well by the their head of baseball ops there, Mike Hazen, and Amiel Sade, who was their, their GM, their second-in-command, basically. And I think that, first of all, they know they know the person. Torrey is a very, a very strong person. He also is a very patient teacher of the game who really loves it and discusses the development of the full player. And I think he is in lockstep with the with the developmental philosophy of the front office. But this is one of my biggest pet peeves in sports. And again, this goes beyond baseball. 
Torrey was the bright young name when when he was hired by Arizona at the at the first place. It's not as though when he lost a hundred games that he became somehow deficient as a baseball guy, or that he forgot everything that he knew when the team was having success. The, the, talented managers and coaches they don't forget stuff. It, it, you know, the amazing thing is when they give him better players, he wins more games. Isn't that a remarkable phenomenon? And it's true no matter what we're talking about. So I think sometimes when when the life cycle goes, and listen, and Rich, you can speak to this, sometimes it's time for, for a, a new voice to come into a locker room or an organization. I get that. But with Tory, that was never the problem. The, the, basically, the organization had simply traded away their talented players, and he was doing the best he could with what, with what he had. And that is why it. I think it's really important for for the people who run organizations, a team president, a GM, to understand what a reasonable expectation is. And I think that also goes to ownership. Ownership can't say, well, I'm slashing the payroll, we're going to trade a bunch of guys, and oh, by the way, you got to win as many games as you did before or else you're all going to get fired. That's just not fair. And I think it, it, it is important that the, the management of these teams understands and respects that, and I think you've got to credit Derek Hall as their team president for setting the right tone, and and, and their player development people, and Derek Ladnier, their scouting director. Look at how many talented young outfitters they've got: Corbin Carroll, McCarthy, uh, Lourdes Gurriel, who they got in a trade. Really good front office and an excellent manager. Congratulations to Tory. Well deserved. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that was perfectly said, JP. I I really feel strongly that baseball got away from one of the facets that made their sport so special and this is at all levels well i should say all levels they can afford to bring in analysts but trusting the numbers and the numbers alone and using your manager as just an armchair psychologist and somebody who you can blame for the pitfalls of the um, analysts failing to get the numbers right or the players getting too injured to mount a great campaign on any given season it's a shame because baseball lost a little bit of that gut feel luster that it had in the past and I hope we get back to that one day I hope that you know decisions like we were just discussing or you know or, or maybe a little bit more trust at the manager level in baseball from the dugout as opposed from from the computers upstairs um, ushers in an era where we get to see a little bit more of you know uh, managing from the top step of the dugout right. as opposed to managing from behind computer screens. No, you're right on. And here's one of the key points. This, this is again, I'll make a point that transcends baseball and goes honestly to other areas of sports and other areas of life. Do do we want to have success? Or do we want to get credit? What are we most concerned about? Are we most concerned about the ultimate goal of the organization, of the team, of our group, and and doing right by what our mission statement is for us? Or does it is my foremost concern that in the first article, the first paragraph, they say, "What a great job by X person, this guy," and have that be me? That, that's there's a, there's a lot of that that goes on in sports, a lot of it that goes on in American life writ large about who's going to get the credit. Look at the teams, and I love this point because it's just it's so important to think about the 2021 World Series. Okay, 
those two teams that met in that World Series, the Atlanta Braves, the Houston Astros, were led by the two oldest managers in the sport. And then guess what? Brian Snitker won it with Atlanta in 21. And who won it last year? Dusty Baker. And and so this whole notion that if you're an older manager that, that oh, we, we've got to rush to get the, the, the newer age guy in and we've got to get this new generation in that wants to do it by the computers or whatever it is. And, again, not all young guys are like that. I, I should make, make clear on that. But, but what's the problem with the results of the older managers? All I know is the last two World Series were won by those guys. So, clearly – they help. Clearly, there's value in what Brian Snitker does for the experienced players and for the young players. Clearly, there's value in Dusty Baker. Okay, so I, I, I always push back whenever anybody wants to suggest, and, and I think we're on the same page here, obviously, that that there's that there's this need to to do the entire organizational work by the by the computers. In my in my opinion, there's enough of the data and the analytics out there in the ether anyway. It's on every iPad that's in every clubhouse and every every place in Major League Baseball. The manager, I think, has the greatest value off of the iPad. Close the door. Let's sit down and have a conversation. And let's have let's talk about how you can be at your best at 7, 10 p.m. when there's no computer in your back pocket, okay? Because when you're standing in the batter's box, you, you're not going to have your iPad with you. you got to get out there and perform. And I think that there's enough technology around, and technology is helpful. I love it. Okay, it's part of part of our world. But when it comes time to execute, the computer is not going to help you. You need to do it on your on your own, and you you can be helped in that endeavor by the wisdom of the person sitting across from you in the manager's office. Period. Well, as a guy that grew up with Dodger baseball, back to the Walter Alston days and through Tommy Lasorda, that old school mentality works for me, and I love it. JP, as always, you're the best of the best. We appreciate your time on a Sunday, and we'll do it again next week. There you go. When in doubt, you know, call the oldest millennial in the world. That would be me, someone <laughs> who likes to read the newspaper in print and send send letters via handwritten notes. That's the, I mean, I'm I'm an old guy. I'm the oldest millennial in the world. There you go. I'm proud of it. You're talking the same language. JP, you're the best. We'll talk to you next week. All the best, guys. Thank you. That's uh, John Paul Morosi. All right, we'll get much more into that. we got got 100 things to take care of today. But first, let's find out what is trending right now. Nick Hope finds himself here on a Sunday. Nick, how did this happen? Well, uh, Monsi usually works this shift with you guys, I know. She's got a full day over at Dodger Stadium. You got the Yankees in town, lots of fans taking in these games this weekend. So she's got a lot of tours to give before the game. She gives tours. Yes. I mean, this is amazing stuff. So she does this often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Obviously, with the Yankees in town, it's huge. I think she said like six tours over three days. And and normally, they've added more more tours than they usually do on these days so so she was here earlier this morning and so but i'm happy to hang out with you guys over the day and in terms of baseball we got just one game going on right now a bunch that are about to start but pirates currently leading the cardinals two to one that one all the way into the eighth inning we'll get you updated throughout the show as these other games get going we got game two of the nba finals heat nuggets tonight eight eastern slightly earlier than game one nuggets with the 1-0 series 
Miami's lead. Caleb Martin for Miami listed as questionable due to illness. A report from ESPN says the Suns are retaining associate head coach Kevin Young for Frank Vogel's staff. He's set to earn now more than $2 million a year. That makes him the highest paid assistant in the league. You guys are talking about the Stanley Cup final. 5-2 Golden Knights over the Panthers in Game 1. Game 2 coming up on Monday night. French Open, Novak Djokovic won in straight sets. He's into the quarterfinals at Roland Garros for a record 17th time. There's one record that Rafa Nadal doesn't have in Paris. Top-seeded Carlos Alcaraz also won in straight sets into the quarterfinals as well. Golf got the Memorial Tournament. Roy McIlroy, part of a three-way tie for first. He and the rest of the leaders are teeing off right now. Ricky Fowler, Scotty Scheffler have had big days to move up the leaderboard and into the top 10. Max Verstappen won the Spanish Grand Prix in Formula One. And that's all we got going on right now, guys. Back to you. All right, Nick, thank you very much. Once again, we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. During our conversation with JP, uh, Richie brought up uh, Aaron Judge. I guess we found out the answer of when a guy who's six foot seven, two hundred and eighty-two pounds runs full speed into a wall, who's going to win? Yeah, uh, Judge. Yeah, he wins. Uh, that. Do you see the surprise behind the like? They're like, we've never seen that like open unless somebody actually opens it. Yeah, there um, were two. It looked like um, pitching coaches just watching the game beyond the outfield walls in the bullpen. And when Judge caught that baseball, he crashed through the gate. And it's not supposed to open inwards. It's supposed to open outward. Uh, So, yeah, there there were some faces of surprise and shock. Um, He nearly took the one guy out. I mean, the gate swung into his lap practically. Uh, Yeah, I'll say this about Aaron Judge. Outside of that unbelievable moment, just the, the, the play that he has now replicated this year. And I don't want to... I don't want to speak too soon because, look, it's the beginning of June. There's a lot of baseball season left. But if he continues on this tear and we get toward the all-star break, um, even missing 10 games this season with the uh, the hip soreness, uh, he's on pace to equal or, or, or better the – not only the home runs, but just the numbers, just the insane numbers he put up last year during an MVP season. And look, there, there's, there's something admirable about replicable success, right? You know, you just think about, okay, there's a guy who just shows up to work every day. He's, he or she is doing the job to the best of their ability, better than most people. And, you know, you tip your cap to them. But when somebody can replicate like things that we've never seen ever, ever before, that's when you start pumping the brakes and saying, whoa, like what is what is going on? And Aaron Judge, he's he's doing something differently. Like and and when I watch when I watch him and I watch his swing, I watch his approach, I mean he is clobbering the baseball, but it's because he took the whole conversation about launch angle very seriously. I mean, he has basically now adopted a full uppercut swing. There are times where he's swinging out a ball low in the strike zone. And I'm talking about a knee-high fastball, something like that. And it legitimately looks like he's completely inverted his bat. 
and it looks like a golf swing. It is one of the more sudden swings in baseball. If I were if I were a hitting coach or if I were somebody who is training baseball and I wanted to get a, a player to be able to hit the ball opposite, be able to hit the ball out of the park, be able to hit the ball for extra base hits, I would turn on that tape and I would try to teach any any player just I mean the exact mechanics of of uh, Aaron Judge because to be honest with you the only person on the planet who I think has done it similarly and you know exactly where I'm going to turn to is Barry Bonds and I'm not just talking about the numbers I'm talking about the way they swing the bat it is so eerily similar the same bat speed the same bat path the same mechanics it just looks identical. I don't understand why more coaches or hitting coaches don't turn on that film and say, hey, just do it like this guy does it, because it, it appears to be the exact same formula. Well, and there was another guy that actually did that, and that was Mark McGuire. There you go. And of course, uh, a little added juice well, yeah. makes the uh, ball travel <laughs> a little further, but at 6'7", 282 pounds, I don't think Judge needs any help. All right, on the other side, I want to stay with baseball for a moment here. It's decision time concerning the only player that we can actually mention in the same breath. Well, I wouldn't say only. One of the few players that we can mention in the same breath as Aaron Judge. Who is it? You'll find out. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Steve Harbin and Rich Ornberger, Fox Sports Sunday. We're live from the TireRack.com studios. Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani. The Angels right now, Rich, are right at the 500 mark, 30 and 30. Uh, It would appear that even with Otani and Trout, that once again, they are not in a position to seriously threaten for, I mean, maybe a wild card, but, you know, not really doing much damage beyond that. The trade deadline in baseball is August 1st, so we still got a couple of months to go here. But if you're the Angels, think about this for a second. So if you were to trade Shohei Otani... I can't imagine the boatload of talent you're going to get in return. And theoretically, unless he were to immediately sign a contract at extension with the team he got traded to, he would still be a free agent at the end of the year. And if he really likes to be an angel, he could essentially rejoin the team. But the one thing the angels can't do is let this kind of talent walk away. And we don't know. I mean, he may decide, I don't want to be an angel anymore. I want to, you know, grow. Maybe I'll be a Dodger, a Yankee, wherever he wants to be. So I think this is going to be an interesting couple of months for the Angels in terms of do we just hang on to the hope that Otani wants to stay here, even though we haven't had a winning season since he's been here, or do we unload him and just, you know, can you imagine what the bids would be for a talent like Shohei Otani? What would you do if you're the Angels? Well, I mean, look, every every organization has their price. Uh, I unfortunately think for anybody who's looking to trade for a Shohei, um, you would run the risk of the reset taking too long for Shohei Otani to be interested in re-signing with you. That's what I would think is the biggest problem here. I don't think Shohei Otani is tradable because I think you would have to strip a team to its bare studs in order to get him. 
and he's a 28-year-old ball player. So what sense does this make to Shohei Otani? I would refuse the trade if I were him. I don't want to go to a rebuild. I don't want to go to a place where I'm the only star. That's what I'm leaving if I'm leaving Anaheim. So I, I don't think it makes any sense to me. Shohei Otani is 28. People forget this because he just got here a couple of years ago, and there were a couple of injuries at first, so he was relatively anonymous before he exploded these past two seasons. Shohei Otani is a once-in-a-generation talent, not only as a hitter but a pitcher as well. And as a result, he's going to, when he hits free agency, make a tremendous amount of money, all of it deservedly so, but he's going to make that money, my guess, with a franchise that has a future. The, the, the Angels don't have a future. The Angels, it doesn't matter the star power they've had, for whatever reason, culturally or from a, a player personnel complexion, they can't get out of their own way. So... Very similar to, I don't know, name an American ball player like like a Manny Machado, uh, who was with the Baltimore Orioles for years and years and years and was tired of losing and was interested in getting paid a huge amount of money, was traded at the end of his time there, not the same level of talent as Shohei Otani, and then spent you know, a half season in L.A. before signing his giant $300 million contract with the uh, San Diego Padres. He wanted to join a team with a future. That's what I think Shohei Otani is going to be interested in doing because at a certain point, after you've proven to everybody you can play at this level, after you've proven to everybody that you're one of the greats of the game, you start thinking about your legacy when you're getting closer to 30. You start thinking about the World Series championships and the playoff runs that you have zero, you've had zero of those since playing in in the major leagues with Anaheim. All right, well, let me ask you this, though. Because the Dodgers right now, along with the Arizona Diamondbacks, had the best record in the National League. But their pitching staff is in shambles. You know, I, I, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, they've been able to do it uh, really with smoke and mirrors. It's been crazy how the Dodgers have maintained. But if you're the Dodgers and you have an opportunity to make a deal to get Shohei Otani and maybe give up a, a boatload of prospect talent in order to get him – he could help you in the in the in, right now. In other words, you need that arm in that rotation. That takes the Dodgers to a whole different level. So I agree with you. He's not going to go to some team that you know is not in contention. But if the Yankees come calling or the Dodgers come calling or a team of that level uh, saying we're interested in making a blockbuster deal for the now and hopefully the future. I put it this way. If I were the Dodgers, I would do it. Even if he were to sign elsewhere after the season, because this is a Dodger team desperate of winning a World Series. I don't know if he can help him get there, but to me it would be worth the roll of the dice. Well, that's the thing. You better be you better be sure you are Shohei Otani away from winning a World Series if you trade for him. Because if you misjudge that and you end up signing away basically your franchise to get this guy or the future of your franchise to get this guy and then he doesn't enter contract negotiations or you can't find a fair price for his talents uh, to stick around with the club that he's only played for what weeks months um, before free agency I, I I mean it's just not a good equation it's not a good plan so I don't I don't I don't see it happening I don't think he's tradable I think he's too talented to be traded because Whoever trades for him, it's a hope and a prayer that he's going to sign long-term and you're going to have to give up way too much for him. I mean, just think about the the amount of um, 
capital it took for the Padres to get Soto. It's not going to happen. Well, they said Soto wasn't going to get traded. He was. One thing we do know, game two of the NBA Finals tonight. We have the latest. This is Fox Sports Sunday. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready for game two of the NBA Finals between the Nuggets and the Heat. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. And we have a lot of new listeners today, Rich, as we welcome our new affiliate in Peoria, Illinois. That's Peoria Sports Radio 101.1. Welcome. Welcome to the Fox Sports Radio family. They're Chicago White Sox Radio Network affiliate. Program director Scott Heckathorne said, yeah, we're dropping that other network. We're going to flip to Fox Sports. That's a big win for them. Big win for us. Welcome to the FSR family. Peoria Sports Radio 101.1. By the way, Sam says that uh, he is a veteran of Peoria. You, you know Peoria, Illinois. Been there a few times, driven through it. It's a it's it's a nice town. It's got some nice bridges. It's got a good look to it. And you found out the population was one hundred eleven thousand. One hundred eleven thousand. Okay. Good size. Okay. And uh, yeah, I used to cover uh, Midwest League baseball, and so the Peoria Chiefs were in that league, and would take on the uh, Cedar Rapids Colonels and some other teams. There. Now, are they Cubs fans or Cardinals fans there? Um, in Peoria, yeah. Oh, they're definitely Cubs or uh, White Sox fans. White sure. Sox fans. Yeah. Well. Well, they. We got well, I White knew. Sox I know they're the, the White Sox yeah. affiliate, but I'm saying from the National League standpoint. Um, I mean, if you're a White Sox fan, are you a Cubs they're, fan? They're, no, no. I'm saying, yeah, for National League no, Cubs, no. they're definitely leaning towards the Cubs there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's Illinois. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, if you're listening, uh, appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, Richie, we get ready for Game Two tonight of the NBA Finals: the Nuggets and the Heat. Uh, you know, there were a lot of theories going into Game One that, well, first of all, you had a Nuggets team 
team that had been off 10 days. I mean, wow. I mean, nine days full off, but 10 days after the last uh, appearance, completing that sweep against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Some of the Nuggets said, yeah, we'll probably be a little rusty at the start of the game, uh, but we'll shake things off. And that's pretty much what happened. I mean, the Nuggets, uh, I never really felt were threatening the game. Um, But I wanted to get your thought on uh, Malone's tact as a coach. Because he has been very vocal uh, with the media on how he has admonished his team throughout, you know, really turning the screws. And, of course, you play with a guy like that in Belichick, who I'm sure took full advantage of you guys even more so when you won than when you lost. So, yeah, he's going over all this stuff from game one is that, you know, uh, they had all these open threes, 16 of them I counted the heat. They only made five. If you think Struess is going to be over from three-point land, you're in dreamland. I mean, and then he says, yeah, we didn't play any – played awful in the fourth quarter, didn't play any defense. How does that, from a psychological standpoint, sit with you when you know you've done well, but the coach is going to nitpick and say, yeah, get off your high horse. You didn't play well. You need to be better. How does that work on the psyche of a player? Well, yeah, you mentioned it. Um, Playing for a coach like Bill Belichick, that is how he views is the best way to keep his teams motivated by talking up the opponents and talking down what accomplishments you've already accomplished. Now, there's there's no doubt <clears throat> that credit is given where credit is due, right? You know, there's no doubt that when you do it the right way, he wants to make an example of you from that standpoint. But I would say the majority of the time, the criticisms and the the poor examples are the ones that a coach like Belichick wants the team to learn from because there's nothing like a bad example, right? Because if you can learn from a bad example, you could actually learn in most cases more because you can see how you can see – look, I mean, there, look, there are times where you get lucky and you win. There's no question about it. It happens in sports all the time. It happens in, it happens in life all the time. You know, people just luck into a situation where, shoot, you know, things just fell into place. You win the lotto, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. You didn't deserve the job you got, but, you know, the, the what what you had an uncle who worked at the business. People get lucky all the time. But when you lose – When you lose, sometimes it's unlucky, but many times it's traceable. Many times you could go back to exactly what happened. And when you do that, when you do that work, you can get much better. And so that's Belichick's theory. And that's what I lived through in New England with a coach like Malone in Denver. The most important thing he has to keep in mind is this strategy doesn't work unless there's buy-in from your top star or stars. He's very fortunate that Jokic is the type of player that is willing to play ball this way. The reason why Belichick had the ability to rule with an iron fist for as long as he did and have success for as long as he did was as much as attributed to Tom Brady as it was his coaching style. Because Tom Brady, inarguably, was the best or one of the best players in the league the entire run during his time in New England. Tim Duncan, same way in San Antonio. Greg Popovich is another example of a guy who rules with an iron fist, and he had inarguably one of the best players in the league or the best player in the league in Tim Duncan during his reign of power. Who was an unselfish player, team guy all the way. Steph Curry, Steve Kerr. Yeah. 
Okay, Steve Kerr, a little bit of different of, of approach, but definitely the overseer. Definitely. Smug. <laughs> well, it says you. I yeah. think Steve Kerr is a nice guy. But <laughs> look, here's the deal. Steve Kerr has ultimate control over that team, and it's because a player like Steph Curry, again, to use the word you just used to describe Tim Duncan, selfless, uh, cares about the input from his coach. So – Malone in Denver is experiencing the same thing with Jokic. So where we want to give attention and praise to coaches, you have to go back to the people who empower these coaches to do what they're doing. And it's the stars on their roster who allow these coaches to talk down to them. Even though they make more money, even though they're more influential, even though they, if they wanted to, and this is almost universal across the board, every player we just discussed, could could put their owner in a bind if he said, if he said, look, it's either him or me. You got to choose between us, but one of us has to go. Almost always you're going to see the player stay. And in fact, that actually was tested in New England when Bill Belichick, if you believe the reports from Seth Wickersham, when when Belichick wanted to trade Tom Brady to the San Francisco 49ers and the owner, Robert Kraft, got in the way and said, no, it'll be Garoppolo instead or it'll be nobody. And so Bill was able to make the trade with Jimmy G instead of Tom Brady. But they were ready to move on to Jimmy G back then. Look, having a star player who's self, selfless and who is willing to listen to coaching is more important than having a good coach in almost every facet. Because you need to have buy-in. If it's going to work, if the message is going to send, you need to have somebody who's going to receive it and influence the locker room when you're not around. And that's exactly what Denver has. And it's all because of Nikola Jokic. Yeah, Nikola Jokic is also potentially the worst nightmare for the NBA. Because I don't see this Denver team going away anytime soon. They have a young nucleus of players. Uh, Jokic is just entering the prime of his career. He's a big man. It's not like he's going to lose explosiveness because that's not his game. Um, he's just going to get better and better and better. So they have a window maybe of three, four, five years where they're going to be right there in contention. And this is similar to what happened to San Antonio back in the day with Tim Duncan. Every time the Spurs were in the NBA Finals, the NBA Finals ratings would crater. I mean, absolute crater. Nobody cared. And, and so we were talking about this yesterday, Rich, and I know you have a very creative mind. So um, we were trying to figure out if you're the NBA. Now, you have to have a willing participant, and I don't know how Jokic is when it comes to ideas of marketing himself, which, by the way, would also help market the league. Of course. Tim Duncan... He didn't engage in any of that stuff. You know, Mike Trout for years in baseball really didn't want any part of it. Um, so we had uh, Sam yesterday was talking about Nicola, <laughs> Nicola. Now let's let's get Sam back in here. He's been running around all over the place. So throat lozenges. So now that we have Rich here, Sam, uh, throw some of your ideas of actually how to market Jokic. Because, like I said, potentially this Nuggets team, if they can stay healthy, could rattle off a couple of NBA championships. And it's like. They don't want to go down the same path they did with San Antonio, crater with finals ratings when a certain team that doesn't have a lot of personality uh, ends up yep. dominating. So how do you how do you market Jokic? So yesterday I had two ideas. We bring back the uh, the the Swiss um, big 
tube play, tuba players, whatever they were. Yes. You know, Ricola, but they just get Nicola. Nicola. Okay. I, don't know. I could right. just put, he's, yeah, make him weird. Make, make him, him the face of, 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 uh, of mentholated uh, lozenges. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. He Very soothes good. the itchy, sore throat of the Denver Nuggets fan base and NBA fans everywhere. Or go the- I could see him in the Rockies. I could see yes, them putting him in yes. the Rocky Mountains. Put him in some like later hosen or something. <laughs> you know, give him one of those long- uh, Serbian later hosen. Yes, exactly. Whatever that is. <laughs> um, or go, I, I don't know if he'd buy into this idea because it's like a soft drink idea, but go with a Nicola. Nicola. Yeah. Like okay. RC Coley. Well, well first RC of all, it would also happen because people, they, they, some people don't know it's Nicola, but some people say Nicola, and it's not. It's, it's Nicola Jokic. Um, maybe maybe he should go with Jokic. And pre, re, see, everyone calls him the Joker, but he's really the Joker. Right? Oh, you mean like almost like eggs? Eggs. Maybe maybe do uh, Denny's commercials. Yes. Okay. He's not the Joker. He's the Joker. You know okay. What? How about this one? How about this one? <laughs> These are so bad. S- slightly different pronunciation, but you right. remember when John Madden did boom, tough acting to acting. Right. Just call him Jokic instead of Jokic. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I like that. See. I think right, listen, the NBA is listening right now because they're, they're because they're, they're always like, what listening. Do, what do to we this show. what do we do with this guy? Because he's he's so many people are like just discovering yolk. him right now. I like the breakfast Jokic. Yeah. Yeah. Jokic. Yeah. Breakfast place. He's yolk. no joker. He's a Jokic. I want yeah. I want this Serbian superstar to be associated with your omelets for the rest of our days. Yeah, talk, yes. Talking about breakfast, the most natural partnership for uh, Jokic is Taco Bell. Because he was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial, if you guys remember that. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, it was such it an was, afterthought that the, the second NBA... round, the end of the second round, the, the NBA was running commercials on ESPN. I think it was the Doritos Locos commercial. Yeah. All right, so there are possibilities, but he has to be a Steve, willing though. participant. Yeah. Does he strike you as a guy that would? It's I mean, a hard you know sell how it works. Taco Bell and soft Making drinks. Making fun of yourself when you're a superstar athlete usually works. I agree. I mean, obviously, it's worked for Shaq for years. It's worked for Charles Barkley for years. Self-effacing humor. I mean, I can go all the way. uh, Joe Namath just celebrated, by the way, his 80th birthday, right? Wow. He did a pantyhose commercial. Oh, he did? Yeah, he did this panty where he is laying down, and they're going up his legs, and there he is with pantyhose on. And he couldn't, and he was laughing. Uh, the, the thing that made the commercial was he laughed. Like, I know this is ridiculous, but yeah. he's like, yeah. if, if my legs could get, look good in these, imagine what your legs are going to look like. <laughs> and it was so we absurd. He couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't, I mean, he had all these knee surgeries, scars and everything else. So he was like, uh, but it was it was fun, and it was highly effective advertising. So I'm going to be interesting to see uh, if if the Nuggets complete the job. Um, what are they going to do with Jokic? Uh, yeah. Because now people know who he is. All right, on the other side, can the Miami Heat change their game plan and come up with a winning game too? What do they have to do? We're going to tell you. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Steve Harbin and Rich Hornberger, Fox Sports Sunday, live from the TireRack.com studios. I know one thing, the Denver Nuggets should be a very rested team. Yeah. They have played one game in 13 days. That's not bad. I mean, one game. So tonight's their second game in 13 days. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna be fresh. They're going to be rested. Um, and apparently, look, this isn't true with every squad. There are certain teams that, you know, roll better with momentum. But 
apparently they have no problem taking extended amounts of time off and coming back looking as good or better than ever because that opening game against the Heat, the final, I mean, it, the game wasn't even even near no. what the final. I mean, they dominated basically from the opening tip-off, really midway through the first quarter, all the way through the rest of that game. All right, so let, let's let's figure this out for a second here. Let's let's try to make a series because, like I said, we're going to – at least have another week of talking about this series and trying to make, you know, some sense of it. So you have two teams that are well-coached, okay? These are well-coached teams. The problem for the Miami Heat is this. Denver physically is bigger than you across the board. You have a team that you're facing that is bigger across the board and just as skilled as you are so sometimes you know you can you can offset size because you're more skilled that's not the case here Denver has as much skill it may be even more so than Miami and they have a huge size advantage I mean when we see not only Jokic but Gordon I mean they, they're pounding Miami inside. I mean, the fact that the Heat only had two free throws in that game, what was that? I mean, you could say, well, we rely on the three. Miami doesn't rely on the three. They're not Boston. They're not one of those type of teams. No, it was because Jimmy Butler played too soft. Well, why? I mean, were they intimidated? Okay, so, all right, so if it's the David versus Goliath thing. So how does David beat Goliath in this series, Rich? Well, I I think it starts and and ends really with Jimmy Butler and the aggressiveness of his play. Look, Jimmy is not going to be able to have too many 13-point nights um, because their their season will come to an end very quickly. It's – I mean, look, the Miami Heat, what's special about the Miami Heat? And you could tell me, well, the development of uh, Caleb Martin. And how about Bam Adebayo, both offensively and defensively, the progression we've seen there. Um, you could talk to me about Eric Spolstra. You could talk to me at the front office level with Pat Riley. You could, you you can tell you can tell me about all those things. The veteran leadership of Kevin Love. I mean, go down the list. Tyler Hero potentially coming back. All those things. The truth and the secret sauce of my Miami Heat is very simple. It's Jimmy Butler. That is the whole show. Miami Heat had a special season because they have a special special player who started in a big way showing up during this postseason run. I mean, this was a team that won in the play-in round. This is a team that just based off of confidence and the will and the great and superior play of Jimmy Butler has been able to navigate uh, at times a tumultuous postseason, but it's gotten them to the finals. Now, I don't know if they have anything for the Denver Nuggets. This could be a sweep, and this could be over, you know, almost before it started. But the only strategy is to somehow empower Jimmy Butler to take over a game and then try to repeat that success. Because if you don't, if if, if they stop Jimmy, the Miami Heat have literally next to zero chance of winning this series. This was the lowest scoring team in the league, the Miami Heat. Now, we've been hearing about Ty, uh, Tyler Hero. You know, could he be coming back? He's had that hand injury. They're sort of hinting he's, he's practicing right now. So, I mean, that, that would at least give him an added score. But 
when you just <laughs> like I say, I mean the thing the thing that always amazes me about Jokic, and there aren't a lot of players like this, is that he always seems under control. Like he's never hurried. Maybe it's just because he moves so slowly to begin with, but he just, he just, there's no panic with him. You know, he just, he goes about his business, you know, even when he, even when like the first quarter of game one, where he didn't even take a shot, right? I mean, he was just passing the ball. Everything seems very deliberate, slow moving. And yet the end result is they're seemingly scoring on every possession. This is a Denver team that can beat you so many ways, especially at home. I mean, they only lost seven home games the entire year, and they haven't lost any home games uh, during this postseason. So this is, you know, the Heat in, in their three series against the Knicks, the Bucks, and the Celtics, one game one of all three of those series on the road. And Malone, you know, had a big, you know, rah-rah speech for Denver before game one, citing the fact that Miami had opened all their previous a series of the road when he's like that not in our house not right. in our house well as it turned out he he doesn't have to tell this team they're going to play their game so i agree with you the only way and that, it reminds me of 2001 the lakers were playing the 76ers i think they're going to have a special on that sixers team larry brown was the coach Allen iverson was the league's mvp the lakers were just way better but Iverson had this unbelievable game one at Staples Center. He scored like 46, 47 points. He did the step over on Ty Lue, who was a backup guard then oh, yeah. for the Lakers. And the Sixers won the game. I know I had a friend of mine who was a big Laker hater. And he goes, this is just the beginning. I said, the Lakers will not lose another game. <laughs> and by the way, the last three games of that series were all in Philadelphia. They, they swept all three there. So to me... If the Heat are going to even win a game in this series, I agree with you. It's going to have to be one of those Jimmy Butler, just, you know, 47 points, just one off. He was unguardable, and he single-handedly beat him. Yeah. Because you either have to do that, you have to hope that somehow Jokic gets hurt, which obviously nobody's rooting for an injury. Well, you but you could attack. See, this thing, Rich, here's the thing about attacking. Maybe, maybe you could get him a couple of quick fouls. If you could force him to have to sit out even half a quarter, right? Maybe he could do some damage when he's not on the court. That's the big part about attacking the hoop. Maybe you can get a couple of quick fouls in Jokic and force him to put him on the bench. It's the only chance you have. Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly where I was going to go. You either hope for him to get hurt or you hope for him to get into foul trouble because when he's on the court, um, and, and he helps on the defensive end as well. You know, we talk about a lot of his offense, but he's obviously a, a lumbering giant who's got swiftness to his game enough so that he can help on the de- defensive side of the the court. It's just, it's uh, I, look, he, it's an it's an impossible task to beat the Nuggets if they have everybody on the court and they're doing whatever they want to do. But if you can somehow find a way to take them out of their game. Or encourage Jimmy to get in his bag and be the Jimmy Butler who's led the Miami Heat through the majority of this this postseason and and, and be the be the guy. Well, then you have a chance. I, I mean, you have a you have a puncher's chance to make this series interesting. I still give the overwhelming advantage to the Nuggets. I don't think that the Heat 
even if they put together an incredible game plan with all this time that they'll have in between games because the NBA is going to try to um, have this this uh, final series go until next Father's Day. But assuming you can put together any sort of plan, you could at least make this interesting. And if it gets to a tie series, you know, 1-1, 2-2, look, if you haven't completely exhausted yourself, then could could I perceive giving Miami a chance? Well, yeah, but we can't have that conversation until, A, we see Jimmy show up for one of these games, and hopefully it's tonight, or B, they find a way to neutralize Jokic basically in a way that no other team has been able to do this entire postseason so far. I wonder if we'll be talking NBA Finals next Sunday. <laughs> uh, game four, by the way, they're, they're actually going to say they play game three on Wednesday, then game four on Friday. All okay. Right? So we'll see there. Okay. Uh, all right, let's find out what's trending right now. Nick Cope is uh, standing by. Nick, do you see any hope for the Miami Heat in this series? I don't, but, I mean, we'll see. They, they've proven us wrong every step of the way, right? The, the thing I, I – I will say this, though. Spolstra has maintained – he's basically been laughing through these entire playoffs. Even when they lost that crazy game six to the Celtics, after the game he's like, eh, you know, you realize that ball bounces three inches in any yeah. direction other than where it landed – we're already the in the NBA Finals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, uh, yes, Sam. He, he's seen enough crazy things. Uh, quickly, I, I think, and I'm sorry to jump in your update here, Nick. Um, a bad omen for the Heat is that they had not lost a game one in any of the series right. up to mm-hmm. that point. Yeah, they three dropped. and out. Yeah, so Yeah, that was the good. point that Malone said before game one with his team. Not in our house. Right, yeah. so it's like that's just a bad indicator for the Heat. Well, it, but it, they it, were the, also coming off a seven-game series. They yes. had to come from the road in Boston, you know, three days later in Denver. So, I think we're just determining now whether this is a sweep or whether it's going to go to. I'm not taking any more games. time away from Nick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A, sweep, a sweep or a gentleman's sweep. <laughs> I think that's sweep. what everyone is, word is wondering. Sweep is going to be in there. You, you brought up Tyler Hero. He was listed as out despite being on the practice court yesterday in Denver. However, his status could still be changed prior to tonight's game. So there's a, a slimmer of hope that Tyler Hero maybe something allows him to get on the court tonight. Caleb Martin, he missed practice yesterday due to an illness and he's been listed as questionable for tonight's game. Uh, baseball got a bunch of games going on. One game already final. Pirates top the Cardinals 2-1. to one. Brewers leading the Reds. That is a 3-0 score in the fourth inning. Andrew Monasterio homered earlier his first career home run. Phillies on top of the Nationals. One zip in the fourth. JT Real Muto with a home run there. Blue Jays have opened up a 3-0 lead on the Mets in the third inning at City Field. Vlad Guerrero Jr. just homered moments ago. Oakland A's with a 5-1 lead on the Marlins, a five-run third inning for the Athletics. Rays and Red Sox tied at one in the fourth. And a few games have just gotten going. Angels and Astros, the Guardians and the Twins, and then the Tigers and the White Sox. Those three games, no score just yet in the early innings. At the French Open, Novak Djokovic and top seed Carlos Alcaraz on the men's side, each one in straight sets, both into the quarterfinals. On the women's side, we'll 
We'll keep an eye on American Sloan Stevens. She's about to take on the number two seed, Arena Sabalenka. In golf, Memorial Tournament, Roy McIlroy has taken the lead with an early birdie. He is at seven under. Scotty Scheffler and Victor Hovland each just one shot back. And then finally, Formula One, Max Verstappen won the Spanish Grand Prix earlier today. Guys, back to you. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Nick. We'll check you uh, with you a little bit later on. Um, you remember last week, uh, Rich, we were talking about the uh, possible return of Tom Brady as Raiders quarterback? Yes. So, Apparently yesterday, he was listening to our show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he immediately said, I better squash this idea before it goes any further. So yesterday, I, I brought it up again with Bucky, right? And, and it wasn't so much the return of Brady because – and again, I, I don't know. I guess they're confident that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come back uh, from this foot surgery. But I, I mentioned the fact again, and then this is something that comes from my Raider roots and the mentality of Al Davis back in the day that he never forgets. Right. He never let go of the immaculate reception. Of course, years later, it was a similar situation with the tuck game. So I, I went on and on again about this idea that if Tom Brady wants to sign on as an owner, even a small owner or some association of the Raiders, he's got to come clean as far as what happened on that tuck play. Admit that you, you know, you fumbled the ball. And uh, this guy uh, sent this on Twitter. This guy said this. He goes, could not last five minutes. Hartman needs to STFU mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about TB12 having to apologize. Bucky deserves a better co-host. Who can stand Hartman? Okay. Well, I've been getting that for years. I mean, Rich knows better <laughs> than anybody, but I understand the annoyance level. I get that. Um, but I love talking about this Raiders team because – there's so many components to the Raiders. First, let's still recognize, even though they haven't had a whole lot of success over the last 20 years, they're still one of the most valuable brands in the NFL. And one of their sources of frustration in the NFL is that you have ownership that just doesn't have the money. Now, the interesting thing is, despite not having the money, they spend the money. I don't know how they actually pulled this off, but I've always said this about Mark Davis. Never underestimate the man with the bowl haircut, okay? He's a pretty smart guy. That being said, trying to get Tom Brady into the mix, uh, even if it's a very small share of ownership of the Raiders, where are we going with this? I mean, why the Raiders? I mean, we, we've heard Tom, you know, with the Dolphins. We've, we've heard a lot of, but what do you think, because you have a little insight having uh, played uh, with Tom Brady, where is Tom Brady going with this in terms of buying into ownership of the Raiders? Well, the only thing I could say is there are no mistakes when it comes to Tom Brady from – a public relations standpoint. I think that certain things over the past couple of years have felt rushed, but I think I think there have been reasons behind the scenes for them. Like, um, for example, in Tampa Bay, uh, I think that there was a lot more going on behind the scenes in terms of a power struggle than people realize. 
And some of that information I was able to share and some of the information I don't want to share because some of it, frankly, I've only heard from one source as opposed to multiple. But it didn't sound like that this was the, you know, the Arians Leftwich situation with Tom Brady was one big happy family. You know, so the first retirement um, was then followed by him unretiring and Arians immediately retiring from his role and taking on a front office position where he had no longer had power or control over the organization altogether. Right. It was basically he said at his retirement press conference that he was going to play a bunch of golf. Right. I mean, was that coincidence? A lot of people seem to believe it was, or at very least reported that this was one big coincidence, that he unretired basically at the same time that Arians decided to retire. But to me, from what I heard and from what I understand of this situation, that wasn't a coincidence. There was animus, and that, 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 that was the reason for the retirement in the first place. And then there was pressure put on um, ownership to, to make a move. And so they allowed Bruce Arians to save face, and we saw the result. He came back and led the se- the team to a relatively underwhelming uh, season. But, okay, say that's the last season. If that's the last season, though, does he retire by putting out a video on the beach and that's it? Like, that's how this whole story ends? Now, maybe there's more to this story. I don't know. Now, this I don't know. Maybe there's more to this retirement story than I realize, and I'll tell you what I know and I tell you what I don't know. I don't know the exact reasons why he retired this time around. Maybe it's for good. Maybe what he's saying now is 100% true. But, Steve, if you remember just a month ago, and I believe we played the sound on this show, Tom Brady was in Miami and he was answering questions at some financial forum, and somebody asked him, you know, hey, we're here in Miami. Would you ever consider playing for the Dolphins? And he didn't say no. He just sort of avoided answering the question directly by saying, well, <laughs> you know, I have a lot of friends who play in Miami and Miami is a great place. And he never said the words, no, I'm retired. So then for him to come out after there's reports of him becoming a minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. And by the way, at the same exact time, we find out that Jimmy G has had a pretty significant off-season surgery on his foot and may or may not be available to start the season. All of a sudden, now he's reiterating the fact that he's retired to everybody. It just, things aren't adding up. So when things don't add up, obviously speculation occurs. And when speculation occurs you're going to have somebody try to clean up the mess. And that's what he's trying to do. But there is a reason why he's become the minority owner of the Raiders or trying to get approval. And maybe there's a reason why he's become so vocal about the fact that he's actually retired. Like, for example, because he doesn't want the rest of the ownership groups to box him out from being able to play for the Raiders if that's something he still chooses to do. By the way, I was just thinking about this. So he also reiterated he's looking forward to next year, 2024, when he finally jumps into that $37 million a year job as an analyst for Fox Sports. But if he has a minority stake in the Raiders, how can he broadcast a Raiders game for Fox? Well, listen, I don't know if the NFL... I mean, it's different than, let's say, being a former coach or a former player for a team. If you actually have an ownership stake in a franchise... Yeah. 
and you're trying to broadcast a game of that franchise? I don't think he can do that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how many times that. the Raiders will be on, you know, Fox. I mean, now it's a open season. If you don't know, there really is no exclusivity anymore. AFC, NFC, they're going to be jumping all over the place. But, you know, again, we've had former players, you know, coaches, you know, and they're doing broadcasts of teams they coached or played for. But that's a little different than being an actual current owner of a team. Yeah, I mean, let's let's face it. For example, production meetings where, you know – um, broadcasters who are trusted with pretty valuable and sensitive information that they're supposed to keep under their lid until game day. You know, production meetings happen all the time where a broadcaster walks into one facility and then walks into the other facility and they get to sit down with the coaches or get on conference calls the Fox. and have discussions about scheme and even watch practices. I mean, to your point, if, the, if Tom Brady is the minority owner of the Raiders – and, you know, even if he's calling a, a Chargers game for Fox or if he's calling a Denver Broncos game or a Chiefs game, do the Chargers or the Broncos yeah. or the Chiefs want him mm-hmm. on their practice field to observe practice? I, do they I, want I, them, I, them talking to their players in production meetings? I, I mean, I'm trying to think of any broadcaster that actually had an ownership stake in a team. <clears throat> It's a good point. I, I, I don't know how this is all going to play out. But anyway, for those that under want to know why I'm so adamant about this, you know, Brady having to come clean on the tuck rule if he's going to jump in with the Raiders organization and understand it's Al Davis screaming in my ear, which he did plenty when I worked for that man back in the day. All right, on the other side, we got more NFL news to get to. Could we see a big reunion of two very close teammates of the past. Tell you who they are. This is Fox Sports Sunday. The greatness of the Raiders. Steve Harbin, Rich Ornberger. Fox Sports Sunday. We're back here in the Fox Sports Red Zone Radio Tyrac.com studios. So I was thinking about this the other day uh, with uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who... Uh, and I think this is a smart decision on his part, says he's in no hurry to make any final decision on where he's going to go. He's got plenty of offers out there. But a little twist in the story was a former teammate of his, Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Um, and obviously they had a very special connection with the Houston Texans. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, if you're D-Hop, and we, you know, last week we were talking about the Chiefs and the Bills and the Ravens and the Jets. I mean, these are now that the Jets have Aaron Rodgers, these are all teams, you know, firmly in contention to make a deep run of the playoffs. If the Cleveland Browns were to get D Hop, how good are the Cleveland Browns in 2023? Does he make, does he change the dynamic as far as? the potential outlook of the season. This assuming, of course, that Deshaun Watson can come back and get anywhere near the level he was because he really has been out for two years. I mean, he came back last year, but obviously, uh, you know, still trying to learn the offense. But with D-Hop, could he look at the Cleveland Browns as a team that, yeah, I could join that team and they become what we call a serious playoff contender? Yeah. Well, I I mean, look, Deshaun Watson – if he returns to form, is one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the NFL. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, look, it's very easy to write him off because 
of everything that happened off the field with the multiple sexual assault allegations, um, the fact that he had, you know, 20 plus pending civil cases against him for this similar behavior. Um, And then the way he played when he returned to the field after his suspension. I mean, there's a lot that's stacked up against Deshaun Watson potentially even returning to form. But if he does, well, then, yeah, the Cleveland Browns already with, you know, Amari Cooper and David Njoku and Nick Chubb, if they all have seasons that that they've portrayed in the past, you know, they, they're good. They're hemmed up pretty tight at a lot of these skill, position, uh, skill positions anyways. So if you get a lot out of Deshaun Watson, he's going to get a lot out of the skill position players he has around him, and this is going to be a good season and potentially a playoff season for the Cleveland Browns, regardless of whether DeAndre Hopkins signs as a free agent to their team. If he does, and he's reunited with Deshaun Watson, and he has an automatic understanding of what Deshaun wants to do, you know, in the, in the scramble drill from their work together in Houston and maybe can add some things, some wrinkles to the offensive playbook that worked for him and, and Deshaun during their time together in, in Houston. I mean, that could only further benefit them. Look, the Cleveland Browns stand a chance to be one of the better teams in the AFC this year because, again, and it, but it all hinges on Deshaun Watson. I don't think that's going to be the case, though, Steve, because I don't I don't think you want if you're Hopkins if you could get somewhere else that has a more stable culture in the front office or more stable starting quarterback why you would turn down that opportunity so if he's able to play for the Bills if he's able to play for the Chiefs if he's able to join a team that has you know a superstar quarterback with a firm culture in place, why would you go to the Cleveland Browns? Well, I agree with you, but uh, you know, we, we threw all those teams out there last week, and from what we're hearing from those that are at least pre- pretending to be in the know, there's not as much interest from those teams as some people expect because of how much it's going to cost them. Uh, in the case of several of those teams, he becomes their number three option, number four option. Uh, he would not be their number one guy. Right. Um, so on the uh, one thing, I want on the other side. I want to save a little of this because uh, we're running up against the clock here at the top of the hour. Uh, but there's some other teams out there that to me would make a lot more sense. And again, when we talk about DeAndre Hopkins, understand he's 30 years old. He's not a deep threat, so to speak. He's a possession guy. He still obviously has a lot of value. Uh, Deshaun Watson remembers that because he knew he could throw the ball anywhere near this guy. He's going to catch the ball. Um, But he's not your number one guy. I don't think he's that kind of player. Um, So there's still a couple of teams I want to get to in the next hour that I think may be actually more realistic than the Bills or the Chiefs or even the Jets out there. We got that, plus we got a lot more going on as get ready for this uh, NBA Finals. And what about all these coaching changes? This is the Fox Sports Sunday. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days. 
but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Yeah, continuing our assault here on this Sunday. Having a good time as we always do. This is Fox Sports Sunday, and we are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hats and protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. And once again, Rich, I want to call attention to a new affiliate that has joined us here on the Fox Sports Radio Network. That would be Peoria's Sports Radio 101.1. Uh, they're a Chicago White Sox Radio Network affiliate. The program director, Scott Heckathorn, dropped another network to make sure that they would flip to Fox Sports. That is a big win for them, a big win for us. So, Peoria, Illinois, Peoria Sports Radio 101.1, welcome to the Fox Sports Radio family. Yeah. It's a big yeah. family, by the way. It's a big family. It's a very uh, deranged family very. Uh, here on the weekends. Uh, so anybody who's listening to us for the first time in uh, Peoria, Illinois, hit us up at Ornberger, at Cannon Hartman on Twitter. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, comments, questions, concerns. Use it like a suggestion box, honestly. Like, you know, sometimes you have those in the break room at work. Um, anything you uh, anything you want to throw in there, um, you know, we're, we're all ears. We are all ears. <laughs> uh, I, I One of the things I wanted to get to was what's been going on with these NBA coaching firings and hirings. Two in particular are just mind-boggling to me. Let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, so you know that I've never been a huge Doc Rivers guy. Mm. I like him on a personal level. Everyone loves Doc, especially in the media, because he's one of those guys that engages with the media. So he's always been very, very popular with media members. Yeah. But then you start looking at his record, and he's lost more Game 7s than any coach in history. His record in closeout games is horrific. Uh, he's the only coach, only eight times, I believe, ever has there been a team that has blown a 3-1 series lead, and he's done it three times. I mean, think about that. I mean, almost like a third of the time, what was it, I'm not, I, uh, 13 times, I'm sorry. 13 times it's happened, and three, like a quarter of them, he was the coach. No other coach has ever done it more than once. So, you know, he's just not a big game coach. But the idea of the Philadelphia 76ers firing him to hire Nick Nurse? I'm trying to figure this one out. So Nick Nurse was the coach of the Raptors when they won the championship. That was his first year when a certain guy fell in his lap named Kawhi Leonard. 
You remember how that played out. San Antonio wanted to jettison him. So he ends up in Toronto. He was on a mission and mission accomplished. Since then, nothing. Yeah. So, I I mean, the idea, I've always said this about coaching firings or managerial firings. That's the easy part. The idea is if you're going to fire somebody, you're looking for an upgrade. Right. You know, sometimes you see, okay, that makes sense. Like UCLA basketball, right? Steve Alford out, Mick Cronin in. That is a step up. Yeah, but but hang on, hang on. How is replacing Doc Rivers with Nick Nurse a step up for the Philadelphia 76ers? But comparing college basketball to the pros is to me it's it's like comparing the little league uh, uh team that your son plays on or your daughter plays on to college baseball. I mean, look, I I not to completely undermine what NBA coaches do or their importance, but they are basically political figures. You know, they're basic. All they are is I, I, they are the liaison from the front office to the locker room, from the locker room to the general public. They are the mouthpiece for the team. I was talking about this yesterday on Fox Sports Radio. You have we all have this impression of head coaches being this ultimately really important position because over the years it really has been. But that time has passed in the NBA. Oh, I mean, that time is gone. You know, there, there. This is this is no longer what it is. Players ultimately have control of these teams. In many cases, players have control of the rosters because they can choose where they want to go. Uh, they can choose what players they want to play with. They can tamper openly. Uh, no player has ever been suspended for tampering. You know, this is this is one of those things where the NBA has kind of lost control of the league to its players, and it's still working because these rights deals, by the way, are still billions of dollars. So the NBA is is you know they're not running out of advertisers who are flocking to these live broadcasts. They're not running out of networks who want to buy the rights to these live broadcasts. So everybody's still making money, Steve. But the reality of the league from a coaching standpoint is these coaches are figureheads. Doc Rivers, what has he done since the early 2000s other than choking the playoffs, right? I mean, am I going to blame Doc for that? No. Doc was actually coaching back then. Now, he was fortunate enough to have Kevin, uh, excuse me, uh, KG, Kevin Garnett, uh, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. So, I mean, that team, that team had enough dogs on the court to get the job done. But, I mean, he's had opportunities in the most recent of pass with stars all over the court and hasn't been able to do it. Why does he get recycled? Because Doc is a great figurehead. Doc knows how to handle the media. Doc has been doing this for a long time. His name still has recognition to to help a team deal with crisis or deal with the, the good times, with the bad times. But Doc isn't sitting there coaching guys up anymore. That time has passed. That time has passed. So why do these guys like Nick Nurse or Frank Vogel or Doc Rivers or you name it, why do they get you know com- uh, recycled and 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 scoop up new head coaching to Monty Williams? Well, Monty, let's stop there with Monty Williams. So Monty Williams didn't just get another job; he got a seventy-eight and a half million dollar contract. 
$78.5 million contract over six years from the Detroit Pistons. By the way, the Pistons haven't won a playoff series since 2008. Yeah. I mean, this is re- after, you know, I mean, they had a tremendous run for many years. But why did he get all that money? Well, he got that money because he asked for all that money. In other right. words, why would he be interested in the Pistons job? They contact him and he's like, okay, well, make it worth my while. We will. $78.5 million over six years for a coach? Yeah. Is he going to upgrade that roster? That's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't know what the Pistons are hoping for. This was a team that was 17 and 65 this year. 17 and 65. And they didn't get the number one overall pick in the draft. So, I, no, listen, I mean, the, Monty, I don't know what, they, what they're hoping for here, but uh, my they're, guess is they're, they're not going to get their return on that kind of money. Well, well, here's the deal. The, the amount of money, I think that's kind of an arbitrary debate because the amount of money that they're making off of these, these rights deals, it's not like the ownership in Detroit is throwing a going out of business sale. I mean, they're, they're, they, still, they still sell concessions. They still sell gate for 40-plus games a year. They still get uh, their share of the revenue pie from these broadcast network deals. Like the Detroit Pistons ownership group, they can spend that money because they make boatloads of cash back. The reason why they had to pay Monty Williams that amount of money is because Monty Williams, now no offense to the city of Detroit, he has to go live in Detroit. Like, there's not a lot of free agents who want to sign in Detroit. There's not a lot of coaches who want to play in Detroit. When you can play in Miami South Beach, when you can play in New York, in multiple spots, Brooklyn or Madison Square Garden, where you can go to L.A., multiple spots in L.A. Uh, the Clippers are building a new arena. Staples are now Crypto.com Arena. You know, there, there are other places that are better and more traditionally well-established in bigger cities like Chicago. The the reason why Monty Williams got that contract is because he's going to coach in Detroit. Now, they could have gotten some also-ran, but they wanted a playoff coach. They wanted somebody who maybe could help them lure some free agents, and coaching is a part of the conversation. Um, who's going to be your coach when you sign with the destination if they're looking to rebuild here with Monty Williams? Okay, I get it. But it is a figurehead position. It's not like he's rolling up his sleeves and he's getting the, you know, the half-court whiteboard out and he's going to be the reason why the Pistons have success. Like you just said, Steve, the only way the Pistons have success, it almost has nothing to do with who their head coach is. It's if they can lure good enough players or draft good enough players to come to their program. All right. On the other side, I want to get back to a couple other NBA stories. Sort of a crossroads for two NBA All-Stars. What is their future look like? We'll tell you who they are. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Steve Harvey, Rich Hornberger, Fox Sports Sunday. We're live from the TireRack.com studios. Getting ready for game two of the NBA Finals tonight between the Nuggets and the Heat. Heat looking for some answers, trying to figure out how they can knock down. And I'm reminded again, we got a one seed versus an eight. It's a one versus an eight, all right? So on paper, it didn't look good going in. Game one didn't change anybody's mind. But there are other big NBA stories that are lurking right now. I want to get to two All-Stars and what their immediate future is. Uh, Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, has said a decision of discipline of Jean Morant will come after the NBA Finals. 
So this is the second time now that he has been on tape brandishing a weapon, a gun. And first time he was suspended for eight games, a lot of people thought that was a little light. I'm hearing, Rich, that the NBA is really going to drop the hammer. Now, again, the union will come after them with everything they got. But the number I'm hearing, 50. Mm. 50. 5-0. 50 game suspension. That doesn't mean he's going to serve a 50 game suspension, but the NBA has got to figure out a way because this he hasn't been arrested for anything. He hasn't been arrested for anything, right? Um, but this is under that conduct detrimental to the league clause that's in everybody's contract in every sport. Does that seem a little harsh or? How do you stop this? Because, again, we're talking about a young player. You and I have been gaga all over Jean Morant the last few years. You see this guy in the court, and he brings that level of excitement that, honestly, he doesn't have a lot of peers currently in the NBA that bring that kind of game to the court. Yeah. So he's a very valuable piece to the NBA, but if he can't correct his behavior off the court, well, you're going to have to do something harsh, tough love. 50 games, too much? No, it's not too much. I but I don't think it's I don't think it's enough, but not in terms of how many games he gets suspended for. I think I think he needs to and I've said this many times over the past month, get in front of the people who are most affected by his behavior. I think there's a disattachment that a lot of especially young superstars have with who exactly they're impacting because you know you become an adult and you lose lose sight of what it means and what it is to be a kid i remember when i was a kid and i have a lot easier time remembering when i was a kid uh, because i'm seeing the world through the eyes of my young children now looking up to sports stars and loving you know michael jordan i didn't even know michael jordan personally i didn't need to I just saw how passionate and how great he was about basketball and I wanted to I wanted to do that. You know, I looked up I mean I'm there I'm sure there were times during my childhood where I looked up to Michael Jordan more than I looked up to my own father. Because your dad can't do that. That man can fly. You know, so there's something to it, man, about connecting a person who's struggling in his own life with bad decisions back to who he's impacting the most. I think this I think this guy should be forced to speak in front of kids about the dangers of 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 guns. I think I think I think he should become a poster child for gun safety. I think he should become, you know, the reason why teenagers turn away from, you know, gang life or 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 messing with um messing with with gun violence because because then it's going to connect him back to the problem here which is his influence over another generation a next generation uh, suspension is great and like i'm all for him being penalized i i i think that's appropriate i whatever length of suspension it ends up being i think it's i mean the nba will legislate it i mean unless it's something absurd like i don't i don't necessarily know if a full season if if that's something that they should investigate but 
But the most important thing, I think the biggest learning lesson would be to somehow connect him back to the people who he's most influential to. Well, and again, after the first suspension, he came back remorseful, right? I mean, he admitted he had done something he should not have done. And then, of course, no help of his friend who was rolling the camera when he still had a gun in his lap. Um you know, maybe maybe you should change the group of people you're hanging around with. But I, again, he hasn't broken any laws. Uh, he hasn't been arrested for anything. But that is going to be a big thing because the NBA knows Jean Morant's a valuable piece of the puzzle. That oh, yeah. is a guy that is marketable to this league, but he's not marketable if he's only known for brandishing a gun. That's we want we want the focus on what he does on the court and what he's not doing off the court. All right, another all star I wanted to get to. Yeah. Jalen Brown. All right. So the Boston Celtics built their current team really around two centerpieces. Ironically, back to back years they had the third overall pick in the draft. One year they take Jalen Brown, and the next year they take Jason Tatum. And they build around these two guys. The six years they have been together, Jalen Brown came in a year before, but the six years they've been together, they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals five times. But they've only made it to the finals once, and they have yet to win a championship. Jalen Brown is 26. Jason Tatum is 25. But there are a lot of people rumbling, Rich, that say it's not working. We we got to separate these two. This this duo is not the duo that can take you all the way to win a championship. Jalen Brown, obviously, if you were to trade him, would have tremendous market value, no question. He is first of all, Jalen Brown's not just a really good player; he's an impressive individual. Like this is the guy that when he was at Cal that one and done year, talking about learning five languages by the time he's twenty five. He's impressive. Very impressive. So Jalen Brown is sort of a crossroads, and then you you feel the frustration. Now, look, you can go back to Game 7 of this recent series against the Heat, right? And there goes Jason Tatum. He rolls his ankle right at the start of the game. So this was a golden opportunity for Jalen Brown to say, you know what, Jason, I got it. And he didn't deliver. Yeah. So maybe he's not a one. Maybe he's a two. Nothing wrong with that. A lot of all NBA players that are twos and not ones. But if you're the Boston Celtics right now, do you pull the court on this one? I mean, you can obviously get great market value for a guy like Jalen Brown. Do you pull the court and say, we're going to try something new? Or do you just say, look, it's just a matter of time before this team ends up winning a championship? It's the only way you do that is if it's completely untenable, right? You know, the only way you break up this group is if, like, they can't possibly play with each other another single second. Like, if this is – I mean, think about how long Shaq and Kobe could not stand each other and they kept it together to win championships. Right. You, you just have to. So whether you're Brad Stevens – uh, who's the president of basketball operations or you're Joe Missoula or you're the owner of the Celtics or anybody in this organization, a teammate of theirs. That's something that a lot of people don't think about when they think about some of these, these great teams. Um, like I I'm, I'm, if you have ever heard, you know, Chris Bosch talk about his time in Miami, you know, he, he really had to be third wheel to 
Wade and LeBron. And, you know, he he understood the importance of serving a role. He understood the importance of keeping these two superstars together. He himself was a superstar, but, you know, there's only one basketball and somebody had to take the L, somebody had to take the back seat a little bit, and that, that became his role. So these other teammates of Brown and Tatum are equally important to try to keep the band together because this could be their ticket. You know, to going to the finals every year. Now, you'll win one eventually. You got to. I mean, the percentages, the odds are in your favor that you're going to get to the finals enough or the Eastern Conference finals enough. Eventually, you're going to net a championship here at some point. You've got to find a way to keep this band together. So whether or not Brown and Tatum like each other is almost beside the point. The, the, they, they play unbelievable basketball together. They're both superstars. Now, I, I, however you got to balance it out, whether Tatum's one or Brown's one or, you know, I mean, look, they both equally have had off nights and good nights throughout this postseason run. They're both, I think, equally guilty as well as Joe Missoula and the rest of the Celtics cast of characters. You know, they, they bear equal blame. I, I don't see anyone really out there stinking out loud or dominating while the other one really struggled throughout the more majority of this postseason. I both think I think they both shined. I think they both struggled at times. But the last thing you should do is hit the reset button and blow this thing up or trade one of them away until you're absolutely positive you must. Well, I don't think they're there yet. Well, here's the deal, though. Because he has an expiring contract. And because he made second team All-NBA, he's in line to get a Supermax deal. Supermax deal. Yeah. <sighs> Costs money to win championships, $300 Steve. million dollar deal. And it's funny because as good as he is, and he's been getting better. I mean, he's on an upward trajectory in terms of his numbers. There's a lot of people in Boston. I'm reading all over the place saying, don't do it, Boston. Don't give him a Supermax deal. Which is crazy to me, right? I mean, why? Why not? But there's there's just this there's a, a frustration in Boston because they're about winning championships. They're like the Lakers. Anything less than a championship is considered a failure. So the idea that you've been to the Eastern Conference Finals five times in these six years means nothing. Yeah, you know where are the championships? So it's going to be a very interesting deal. But that's that's where they are because after next year he has an expiring contract and he could just walk. Um, and if you give him a super max deal, then he's not going anywhere. So, uh, some interesting, uh, you know, interesting side notes around the NBA, especially with Jalen Brown and, uh, as we mentioned earlier, with Jean Morant. By the way, we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at progressive.com. Let's bring on a man that knows what's trending right now. That would be Nick Cope. And Nick, by the way, uh, you know, Nick is uh, a big UCLA broadcaster, Rich. You know that? Oh, yes, of course. So I love to catch up on my school with Nick. Yes. Mm. Yes. And we were talking about all these international recruits at the basketball team, which pretty much gutted the entire team, although Adembona did come back. Yeah, yeah, the, that, that was huge, getting a Dembona I, back. I imagine that, what kind of NIL deal they got him to make sure he came back. Yeah, I, I wonder if what's going on at UCLA, you're going to see maybe a trend here over these next few years as NIL does take over and become a big thing. If you have access to the international market for recruits, 
you got a lot less to deal with with all the NIL stuff in the international well, how does that than you work? do here in the States. So you, we, were, we were talking about this, Rich, about these NIL deals for these international players. Oh, yeah. Is it the same or... Nick, did, well, did you get any how, – how does that work with NIL? Well, I mean, the clarity of the situation um, is coming in the, in, the, in the years to follow. Like, it's really ran state to state. Um, so depending on the state you live in, there are different rules. So it, whether you're in Alabama versus California, there are going to be different NIL rules. There's not a tremendous amount of federal regulation, and the guardrails really haven't been put up yet. So I don't think outside of maybe the governing or the government from the country an international player comes from, there's many restrictions placed on or different restrictions placed on luring an international play, player yeah. via NIL mm-hmm. money to a school. Yeah, I just pulled this up from Sports Business Journal back in January. It NIL activities not explicitly permitted or prohibited by law or by uh, you know an F1 student. That's the visa that most right. of these kids have. So, so how much will Elaine for Bleu? <laughs> I that, love that, that name. That's a French uh, kid coming to UCLA for yes. everybody at home. Elaine for Bleu. <laughs> Yeah, UCLA's got three international guys. They may get another in, one, and, and there's there's a fourth one out there, the to be named that it sounds like the Bruins <laughs> are going to bring in as well. That that's that's a big turn for UCLA, but they brought in an assistant coach uh, who is from Serbia originally. He's got mm. ties to all sorts of international players in Europe, and they've dipped into that market now. It's going to be interesting. They're going to have like eight new players next year after they had that speak court. English. It's yeah. great. <laughs> All right, game two of the NBA Finals tonight. The Heat and the Nuggets, 8 Eastern. Denver with the 1-0 series lead. Miami's Caleb Martin, he is questionable to play due to illness. Lots of baseball going on right now. One final already with the Pirates beating the Cardinals earlier. That was a game that started, I think, at 11 a.m. local time in Pittsburgh. Game's going on right now. Brewers have been in command throughout against the Reds. 5-1 the lead there. Andrew Monasterio hit his first career home run back in the first inning. Kyle Schwarber just hit a three-run homer for Philly. They've got a 5-1 to lead on the Nationals in the seventh. Blue Jays continuing to lead the Mets. That one is now 4-2 to in the sixth inning. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has homer today. A's and Marlins tied at five at the seventh inning stretch. Rays the best team in baseball on top of the Red Sox 6-2. Other games, Angels and Astros tied at one in the sixth. Guardians and Twins still scoreless. They're all the way into the sixth inning. Royals leading the Rockies 1-0 in the top of the sixth. They have just entered a rain delay in Kansas City. Tigers 2-1 on top of the White Sox in the sixth inning in Chicago. And so far, the Rangers are shutting out the Mariners 4-0. That one is in the third. French Open, Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz each won their matches in straight sets. Both guys now into the quarterfinals. If they can reach in the semis, that is going to set up a huge matchup there at Roland Garros. Golf at the Memorial Tournament. It is Denny McCarthy who is leading at eight under. He's got a two-shot lead on Scotty Scheffler, who is now in the clubhouse. McCarthy still has more than half his round to go. And at Formula One, Max Verstappen won the Spanish Grand Prix. Back to you guys. Hi, Nick. Thank you very much. Check in with you a little bit later on. Oh, by the way, Rich. Yeah. Hard knocks. The Lions were a hit. They were, yeah. I mean, that, that was... I'll be honest with you. That was the last... Well, the first time in quite a while... 
that I actually got into watching Hard Knocks. You know, when the series first came out, of course, like I was like everybody watching everybody, but eh, you know, they had several years where things were just nothing was happening. Um, there is a formula in which they go about choosing teams, and apparently, there are four eligible teams for Hard Knocks. Yeah. So these are the four teams, and they haven't choose, chosen yet. So here are your four choices. The obvious choice is the Jets, right? That would be your that would be your number one. The other teams are the Bears, the Saints, and the Commanders. Okay. So So the Jets, the Bears, the Saints, and the Commanders. Now the Bears have pretty much told them we're not interested. Right. So which, they're out. Which thank goodness because <laughs> okay. who cares? All right. The Jets are, are the obvious choice. Yeah. So if you're the Jets organization, and by the way, speaking of hard knocks, um, I told you the only time I ever went on the road uh, to cover a hard knocks team was the Jets. Way right. back in the day when Rex Ryan was still the coach, I went out there with my buddy Vic the Brick. <laughs> I told you, Joe Namath came by to sit with us. We were out at... Uh, uh, in the middle of nowhere, you know, what was that? What was the name of the junior college? Wherever they train, middle of New York, near Cornell. And Joe Namath came to our table to do an interview. Okay. And he was wearing his Super Bowl three ring. So he actually had the Super Bowl ring on. And I don't know if all of our listeners are familiar with Vic the Brick. Uh, if you're not, look him up. You'll know him. Anyway, uh, Vic, who is a, a big Jets fan growing up, New York kid. I mean, he, I mean, he's sitting with God, literally, yeah, with Joe Namath. And Joe couldn't be nicer. Just freaking out. And he's just freaking out. And he grabs Joe's hand, the one with the ring on it, oh, no. and he starts to pull it toward him like, I need to kiss the ring. Oh, no. And Joe <laughs> jerked his hand away like, all right, who are you and why are you grabbing my hand? <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, okay, could you make things any more uncomfortable? Yeah. Um, but if you were trying to sell the Jets on, well, if you're the Jets, yeah, with the Aaron Rodgers commotion and everything else, do you want the cameras rolling with hard knocks? Well, if I'm the Jets... Probably not, mm -hmm. although I will say this. What it did for the Lions, it'll do occasionally for a team. Like, actually, the Jets had this when Rex Ryan was the head coach. They had a really interesting offseason that year, if you remember. I believe Lombardi was their general manager, mm -hmm. and it was Rex Ryan as the head coach, and they had the, Dar the Darrell Revis negotiations going on where – he was refusing to appear on camera, and they had that upstate New York diner meeting with the agent, and Rex Ryan was a character because he's trying to he's trying to lose weight, and you know the whole coaching staff is you know talking I, I mean like it there were Danny Woodhead made his appearance, and I think maybe even solidified his 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 uh his name as as a you know potential free agent signing after he was cut by the jets you know there were a lot of interesting things that happened on that show this uh that year <clears throat> that i think were, were actually beneficial for the new york jets mark sanchez and the rest yeah the cast. Cortland, new york by the way that's Cortland, Cortland, yeah but i i think it actually was helpful 
I think it was helpful. I think for the Detroit Lions, it was helpful. I think, you know, there are plenty of teams where it's not. Like, I think the Los Angeles Rams, it wasn't helpful because I think it may, I think there were a lot, there, there were a lot of people who were teasing Jared Goff. It did him no favors because they made him seem or appear like a, a, a com, like completely brain dead. I mean, I, I don't think it was favorable for that coach either. I, I think there are times where it's good and times where it's bad. Now, here's what I will say. If you're going to have Aaron Rodgers in front of a film crew, um, you can't control Aaron Rodgers. You can't control what he's going to say. You can't control how much he's going to, how much time he's going to spend with them. Um, there's nobody in that organization who's going to be able to tell Aaron how to handle himself on hard knocks. I'm just very curious if they are the selected team for this year's. I don't think they are. In fact, and, and let's can we eliminate the Commanders as well? Yeah, that because that. you have no ownership. Yeah, I mean that 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 place is a mess. I can only imagine Ron Rivera saying, uh-uh. Well, yeah. Which plus, would leave you with the Saints. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Aye, aye, aye. I don't know. I, I Dennis think Allen? It's, I, it's either the Jets or nothing. I really honestly I, – I mean, I'm not saying that I won't watch a single episode. Every year I give it a shot. Last year I watched all of them because, like you said, and I think like a lot of people felt, the, the Detroit Lions, they were interesting. Yeah. Well, Dan Campbell made them interesting. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. You need to have somebody who's Is Dennis Allen interesting? Well, not really. Have you ever heard him <laughs> to speak at the, the, the press conferences? Yeah. He's kind of like, you know what he reminds me of? is it, it, like a strict history teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, he just, he's very matter of fact. He's going to talk to talk your ear off about, you know, maybe some of the, the, the more boring stuff. Uh, he's going to play his hand close to his vest on all the other stuff, which, I mean, granted, that's what you're paying a head coach to do is talk ball. And he is highly respected in the field. And, you know, they're, I mean, clearly they've, they've seen something in him. He's been with this franchise now for a while, and they've elevated him to head coach, and they could have gone after somebody else, but they like what he's doing. So he's going he's gonna to remain in the chair, and I would assume it's going to be very dependent on what happens this year with Derek Carr with a top-five defense. We'll see. But, um, but yeah, no, I, the Saints, look, the draw is Robert Sala who is a charismatic guy. He's got Riz. It's Aaron Rodgers. No, I mean, it's an obvious choice of I the mean, Jets. I mean, you who got, doesn't want to see how this is going to come together with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, it's 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 got to be the Jets. And if it isn't, I mean, good luck, HBO. Good luck, NFL, for hard knocks, because I just don't see it being – of those four teams, if you're just giving me those four choices – it's got to be the Jets. By the way, this offseason for the NFL, and it's a constantly evolving league, it's a constantly evolving world, um, some changes are being made in preparation for a new season. We'll explain what's going on around the NFL. By the way, personally, I think it's a great idea. We'll see what you have to think. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Steve Harbin. Rich Ornberger. This is Fox Sports Sunday, and we are live from the TireRack.com studios. I was just sharing a story with Nick Cope. I've been known to share stories. Yeah, that's shocking. Yeah. I, I can't believe the, the, the gentleman who... <laughs> 
you know, is is new to the cast of characters here on a Sunday morning. Yeah. You you wandered into and shared a story with. That's that's shocking. Yes. Yeah. I mean, of all the stories I've shared with you, how many are you actually interested in? I mean, I don't have what a choice. Percentage, you know. I mean, by percentage, look, I mean, zero. <laughs> it's higher than zero. It's higher than zero. I can't 100%. say it's more than twelve percent. I mean, percent. <laughs> I mean, if I'm gonna, I try, I try, I try 100%. to tell a good story. I, 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 I'm decent with telling stories. Um, I want to ask you about this. Yeah. So I, we were talking yesterday to Adam Kaplan about this off season. You know, you got the OTAs going on right now, and and that. But um, he was telling us that he's got a lot of these. You know, during training camp, many times you have where you have these uh, controlled joint practices, right? Or scrimmages, as we often have. Right. And apparently the game plan now is eventually we're going to see the complete abolition of preseason football games. That is definitely coming down the road. The idea of these uh, scrimmages that could actually start happening in July – because nowadays, you know, you think about training camp, unless you're in the Hall of Fame game, you really aren't going to camp until like the beginning of August right now. They're minimizing it as much as they can. But when we talk about these, you know, these controlled scrimmages, which yeah. we've obviously seen and you participated in, can you get as much or even more out of them than participation in preseason football games? Yeah, I mean, participating in uh – in a scrimmage allows you to work on specific situations that you want to get to um, that may not come up in preseason games. Like over the course of the preseason, how many opportunities are you going to be able to work on your goal line packages? Well, if you're working against a opponent wearing different color jersey, you know, say the Thursday before or, or, you know, usually preseason games are played on Thursday, but say like the Monday before a Thursday preseason game, maybe you could take six or seven live goal line reps where you're protecting your quarterback so he's not going to get hit by, you know, some e- over-eager defensive end or linebacker or something like that, you know, wearing the red jerseys, where you could get six or seven like real live goal line looks to really work on some stuff. You know, um, how about this? Like, there are certain special teams moments that may come up over the course of the season that practicing against your own team, maybe you're not getting as much out of it as if you're able to, you know, set up a special teams scenario during uh, during a practice scrimmage that you want to see live. You want to see how your players react live. Like, there's a lot you can get out of a practice that you can't necessarily get out of a game, and there's a lot of ways that you can protect your players from injury during a practice that you can't get out of a game because, again, remember, these season ticket holders, they have to buy the preseason too. So if they're going to go to a preseason game, they're not going to see a scrimmage. They're going to see an actual game. And so you gotta you gotta tackle, you gotta allow quarterbacks to be sacked, and you know, like we know, a lot of teams they won't even allow their starting quarterback to play in a single preseason game anymore because you what you potentially risk versus what you're potentially rewarded with. Yeah, I again, I've never understood preseason football. Never. I mean, I'm, how many preseason football games did you play in high school? 
Oh, zero. How about at Penn State? How many preseason games did you play at Penn State? Well, I guess in high school and at Penn State, I'm also discounting, you know, scrimmages that we had. Like, okay, but that's my point. In other yeah. words, that it, look at now, and it, it just they came out with an announcement: the Colts are going to be welcoming the Bears in, and they're going to travel to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. At the very, at the very least, it breaks up the monotony of you know hitting your own teammates in practice. You know. Yeah. You could level off against somebody else. But this this is where we're evolving to. And once we go to an 18-game schedule, which will be soon, folks, and believe me, they're going to spread 18 games over 20 weeks, not 19 weeks. It'll be 20 weeks, two buys for everybody else. That'll be in the end of it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you'll have the ceremonial Hall of Fame game. Two teams play one game. That'll be the extent of it. Well, the pandemic, I mean, we learned that the preseason isn't Thank necessary you. to have a regular season. <laughs> yeah. Didn't look a whole lot different, did it, once the season began? Really didn't. I mean, he didn't miss much. I mean, teams that usually struggle, struggled. Those that didn't, didn't. And uh, so, yeah, and that's good news. I mean, the idea that fans have been able to, or have been forced to fork over money for those games. We get ready for game two of the NBA Finals coming up next. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Yes, four hours away, tip-off, game two of the NBA Finals. Denver Nuggets looking to go up 2-0. Remember, they haven't lost a home game yet in this postseason. The Miami Heat looking for answers to even up this series. Once again, we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. And uh, once again in this hour, I want to uh, acknowledge a new affiliate here on Fox Sports Radio out of Peoria, Illinois. That would be Peoria's Sports Radio 101.1. Welcome to the FSR family. They're a Chicago White Sox Radio Network affiliate. Program director Scott Heckathorn. He said, dump that other network. We want to go to Fox Sports. Smart move. Big win for them. Big win for us. So welcome to the FSR family. Peoria's Sports Radio 101.1. By the way, Rich, um, on your Saturday show, yeah. 
Uh, you guys hit the road quite a bit this past year, did you not? Yeah, we got around. Um, we are in Cincinnati. We yep. went down to Louisiana, different sports books around the United States, mm. um, getting to uh, sample both uh, the, the local markets that we broadcast in, but also check out some of um, the budding sports betting uh, culture that has now escaped Vegas over the past couple of years and come to uh, states and cities around the U.S. It's pretty cool. Oh, very cool. One thing I, I love about this country of ours, uh, which is a sports-crazy country. I mean, we love our sports. Fans are just, you know, passionate about it. Remember during the shutdown in 2020, you and I, Rich, uh, occasionally with something we rarely do, would open up the phone lines yeah, just uh, to sort of, you know, help people because they were in total misery. I mean, they were like, what do I do? Um, I sort of felt that last night. Um, no knock on the NHL. Game one of the Stanley Cup final wasn't a huge draw for me. I felt like I should be watching an NBA game last night. Yeah, I agree. That's what I felt like I should be doing, and there was none. Well, yeah, because the last NBA game that was played, and we are in the finals, was Thursday last week. Yeah. Like, what? how on earth do you give both of these teams a four-day respite before they have to play again well, in, and, and, in the and middle again, of the finals? And you think, all right, so from Thursday to Sunday, and then it's going to be Sunday to Wednesday. So it's just too much time. It just it's too much time. But the good news is we do have a game tonight. Now I'm trying to get myself excited about. It. You remember we were talking before the conference finals. Yeah. And I was convinced that when you got the Lakers and the Celtics sitting there in the conference finals, you're going to find a way to make sure those are the two teams matched up, right? The two most historic franchises in league history matched up for the first time in the NBA Finals since 2010. And then you lose both of them. Yeah. It was so funny before game one. The, the, they were the, trying to cite some kind of you know, history between the Heat and the Nuggets. By the way, the Nuggets have won nine, actually including – Thursday, they now won 10 of their last 11 games against the Heat. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. we okay, it's up to us. It's we, up we to got, us. We got to figure out a way to get people revved up for the tip-off of Game 2 of the NBA Finals. The, the Lakers got knocked out so long ago that I forgot <laughs> they were in the postseason altogether. Exactly. I mean, we have been waiting forever to see who the Nuggets were going to play mm-hmm. coming out of the East in the first place because – that was the series, you know, the the comeback from Miami, Boston finally finishing out or being or I should say the comeback from Boston, Miami finally finishing off the Celtics. I mean, this was this this was an interesting Eastern Conference final. If I were going to find a way to sell to everybody how to watch this game tonight. Here's what I would do. Um look if uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I I haven't placed a bet on this because I don't live in a state that that um, allows me to. But if I if I lived in a state where I could hop on an app and I could put money on anything tonight, what I would put my money on is, and I'm I'm curious if the line has moved. I haven't checked. I would put my money on Jimmy Butler hit, hitting the over. 
I think last night was the last time I looked at the line, and it was still hovering at 25 and a half on most books. Mm. But if he, if he has, I would be shocked. Let's put it that way. <laughs> If he, by the way, I've listened to you plenty on Saturdays. So when you come up with that line, I'd be shocked. Yeah, you have been shocked. I have been shocked in the past, Steve. (laughs) But I mean, this comes from the worst prognosticator in the history of sports talk radio. Yeah, that is. I've learned from the like legendary (laughs) Steve Hartman. If there's one thing, it's the reverse jinx. Yeah. If there's one thing you should do, if people would beg, people would beg me, please lock the game, lock it. I want to hear the word lock. If you lock this game. I got money coming to me. But but let Going me the other way, by the so way. So Jimmy Butler. Jimmy yeah. Butler scores 13 in the opening game of this series. Mm-hmm. He literally, the only words that really cut through and made sense to me from Jimmy Butler when they asked him, like, hey, you know, what were the problems? He just said, I wasn't aggressive enough. Right. But why wasn't he aggressive? It's the NBA Finals. But this is and the way you watch a this team game. that really built your resume to get to the Finals on coming out and jumping on your opponent in Game 1. They did not do that. You put a little scratch. You you, I, you put a little do-re-mi on Jimmy Butler in the over because there is no way Jimmy Butler comes out in Game 2 flat. He's going to come out roaring. This is a guy who wants to be known as playoff Jimmy. He wants to be known as a guy who can carry a team on his back. There's going to be there. There. Uh, I mean, it, it would. I would put it next to impossible for him to have another 13 point game in game two. I I think he's going to go off. I. That's the only chance the Miami Heat have is if you get Jimmy Butler going. So whether it's volume or it's just key makes, I think he's going to have one of the bigger games of his postseason. All right, so, so you're far. saying over twenty five and a half. There you go. I like that. That makes yeah. that makes sense to me. I agree with you. I it mean, just, the, just, the idea that he's going to have one dud after another doesn't. He's he's too good of a player. He's too good of a player, and it's and this series, unless you want to bet on the favorite, right? Because well, I, well, they're I, eight and a half point favorites tonight. The Nuggets. That's I, a huge number. It's a huge number, and I don't feel comfortable putting that kind of money on a number uh, or any kind of money on a number like that in a final. So, I think you gotta you gotta break this down into. You know, player props to really find a way to enjoy this game because if you if you don't, I think you're going to be disappointed because I don't see I don't see a way for the Heat to win more than one game. I could very easily see the Nuggets sweeping this series. This is and, and you know to reference something that I said yesterday morning and Sam reminded us of this morning already or this afternoon, depending on where you're listening, is the fact that the Heat. One of the things that they've been able to do is establish themselves early in these series. They're 3-0 and in opening games of series throughout this postseason. Right. And they, they weren't able to do that to the Nuggets, and it wasn't even particularly close. And so I just – and they were riding off of some momentum after Game 7, winning over the Celtics, and Jimmy Butler, you know – he 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 turned down an opportunity to even put his hands on the Eastern Conference Championship trophy. He said, I'll, I'll hold the next one. And they still got embarrassed against the Nuggets in game one on Thursday night. So, so yeah, that's the way. If I'm going to sell this game, I would say watch Jimmy, watch him go off. And if if I could, I would sprinkle a little uh, – uh, maybe maybe a unit, maybe a half unit on Jimmy Butler having a night. By the way, can we eliminate the uh, trophy ceremony after the conference finals? I, 
this is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time I ever saw it happen was back uh, when the Lakers, uh, it was 08, 09, 2010. They were in the NBA Finals three straight years. And they clinched the Western Conference Final at home. And I was at this game. And there was Kobe and there's Phil, Lamar Odom. You know, they're all standing there. And the commissioner was on. It was at the game. And he's trying to present this trophy. And, you know, the Lakers are like, uh, great, thanks. <laughs> and the best thing was, so because yeah. uh, I stayed all the way to the end. So they finished the ceremony and they walk off the court and they didn't take the trophy. And by the way, I don't even know where those trophies are. I mean, they're probably somewhere in the L.A. Lakers building under no. a shroud of glass. A shroud of glass? No. Maybe the you know, Lakers at their practice basement. facility have all their championship trophies lined up. They're yeah. Larry O'Brien's. There's no sight of any of those conference championships. And by the way, them naming these trophies, the championship trophy as the team, and after former players, it's it's overkill. I'm losing sight. I, I you know, I, I did. Which one is the Oscar Robertson Award? Which one is the Jerry West Award? Yeah, There's a yeah. Kobe Bryant. I mean, too much, <laughs> too much, too much. And you know, because let me ask you this. Yes. Yes. So you you were part of some uh, playoff wins. That's right. Yeah. So when you guys made the run to the Super Bowl. Did you guys pop the champagne after every playoff game win? No, I mean, but... Did you pop the champagne after winning the conference title? You do hats and t-shirts. That's how you celebrate in the <laughs> I NFL. I mean, when you guys won the conference championship. All right, I'll tell you the story about that. It was unique. I, I've never experienced anything before or since. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the, com- the confetti's coming down on the field. And, you know, you got the commissioner lumbering out there and shaking hands with Bob Kraft, owner of the Patriots. We had just beaten the Baltimore Ravens on our home field. We're going to the Super Bowl. And there's a lot of excitement, obviously, because, you know, for many of us, this was the first time. For many of the players who have been there before, this is their next. And um, so they're setting up the stage. And I remember at one point, I've told this story to you before, Steve, but I backed into this old lady and I almost knocked her over, and I felt terrible. Uh, she's wearing this big, like, fur coat. What was she doing on the field? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, was but... she, like, you know, Robert Kraft's friend? I think, or? yeah. I mean, my, my assumption was she was somebody's grandma who had access to the sideline and came out to celebrate with the team, or maybe she was with, you know, the ownership group in the suite. Mm-hmm. I nearly knocked her over. And so as I backed into her, um, I kind of got shoved <laughs> by one of my teammates. We're all hugging and celebrating. She right. goes, that's all right, because I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. So I turn around moments later, I mean, maybe less than a minute later, to face the stage, and this same old lady wearing the fur coat had already ascended onto the platform and was standing near Robert Kraft. And I was like, that's not his wife. Who is that? And then upon closer review, it was Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. (laughs) 
it was, love it. It was not an old lady. Wow. It was Steven Tyler, who obviously, I mean, the roots of Aerosmith is in Boston, so yeah. he was back celebrating an that AFC is championship bid. That is hilarious. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, let's it, eliminate these. I mean, there's one trophy in every sport. Ch- you know, it's like the participation trophies. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll give you another story. Wait till your boys really get into their sports. They're going to pile up so many of these participation trophies. You're going to be sick and tired of it. Oh, I already got one. We have boxes and boxes and oh. boxes of these things for my three kids. I'll tell you this quick story, and then I'll tell you about a particip- participation trophy, which both of these kind of are. But So after this season with the Patriots ends and we lose to the Giants, the second loss to the Giants that the Patriots had recently in the Super Bowl, right? We lose to the Giants. We all go home. Everybody's bummed out, obviously. Um, that next season, I'm playing for the Arizona Cardinals. And this is probably sometime around September, if I'm remembering it correctly. It was during the fall, I'm pretty sure. I get this box from the New England Patriots from one Foxborough away. I'm like, what the heck is this? So I'm opening the box. It was my AFC championship ring. I had no idea they even made AFC championship rings. When they gave it to me, when I opened the box originally, I'm like, did they think we won the Super Bowl? Like, it, <laughs> it's got diamonds all over. It's got the New England Patriots logo on it. It's it looks like. Does it a have Super the Bowl. score of the game that you lost? <laughs> no. uh, you lost know the Super Bowl to the Giants. I mean, is uh, you know it doesn't. I think it has the R. Does it have our, a big L on the side? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, again, look, yeah. you, you win a championship, then you get the trophy, then you get the ring. You get the ring There's when you no win. So consolation good. prize. Ask me how many times I put it on in my life. Can you imagine? Like they give the Heisman <laughs> Trophy and the guy that finished the second. We give you a mini trophy. Like, yeah. like you weren't first. You don't get the big one. We're going to give you a little one. Yeah, yeah. We're going to give you, yeah, instead of <laughs> hitting no the Heisman. trophy for second. Instead when of hitting the Heisman kid, pose, it's unless, a guy getting tackled. Yeah, I didn't get it. <laughs> my, my kids were like, where are all your trophies, Dad? I go, I wasn't. I We only got stuff when we won. There was one team. One. One. Not everybody. Kids, right. your father's a loser. A loser. I get, got nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, Hi. Uh, Coming up on the other side, somebody's about to make a whole lot of money. The question is, is he worth it? Tell you who it is. This is Fox Sports Sunday. I owe you nothing. Well, that's what Rich thought. Yeah, this makes sense. Even Tyler looking like a lady. <laughs> well, I, I, listen, in a, in a flash instance with this, this older woman looking over her shoulder. Yeah, I was convinced I had I had it pinned. I almost knocked over over a, a lady. It was not. It was it was Stephen Tyler Vera. Dude, look like a lady. And I apologize. There it is. Uh, once again, we are live from the uh, TireRack.com studios. Yes, Sam. Steve, is that more of an insult to the woman or to Stephen Tyler? What, Stephen Rich's, Tyler. Uh, it's not an insult to Stephen Tyler no. because he is. He created his look a long time ago. I was just saying, so like he's obviously know, very but comfortable. But did it age well? No, I look. Here's the deal. Like, I mean, there can be very have, attractive. Have, have you seen Mick Jagger recently? Yeah. Or how about when you watch? When you watch, didn't he just have another kid? Maybe I don't know. In the last year, you know. Al, I mean, when I saw Pacino. Al Pacino's picture no, Pacino with his 29 year old uh, girlfriend, yeah. and he's 83. Um, 
Yeah, most rock stars when they start getting into their seventies. I love I love watching old interviews with like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and you know those sixties bands. And they were asked, you know, what do you think? Five years or no? Like that sounds like a long time. I mean, I don't know, a couple years maybe we'll be at this and do something else. The idea that you know sixty years later that they would still be on a stage and people would be paying to see them. Not in a million years could they have believed that was possible. You it's you incredible. got seventy five year old, eighty year old guys on stage rocking. Hey, I love it, man. That's some good music. I'm a fan of Aerosmith too. I just you know I just thought it was funny. No, yeah. I mean funny it, story, listen, rock, it is uh, no shame it, because again, if if I were going to, again, it was the quickest of glances when I yeah. again yeah. for anybody who missed the story. After the AFC Championship game, I, I backed into who I thought was a, an elderly woman wearing a, a fur coat. And it turned out to be Steven Tyler. I It's a I, man, baby! I thought, I thought that she was very attractive. <laughs> there so. you go. He, 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 he wears it well. Yes. Um, I'll tell he would you, make I, a very beautiful older woman. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you somebody that's going to be uh, affording anything he wants very shortly, and that is Austin Reeves, the formerly undrafted Laker. The Lakers are now putting it out there that they will match any offer up to $100 million. The word is is that he's going to get a four-year, $100 million contract. That's $25 million a year for a guy who at the start of this, I mean, to show you how out of left field this is from where he started. So, again, he was not drafted. Um, He didn't look particularly great in his initial summer league action with the Lakers. There were some people that were surprised when he actually even made the very first cut. (laughs) Like, okay, why is he still around type of thing? And, like, two years later, he's about to get a $100 million deal. Now, what's interesting is the Lakers, the word is the Lakers will match any offer he gets up to $100 million. So what if somebody offers him 120 million dollars? Yeah, right. You're not going to well. offer. You're not going to. But we're talking about 25 million dollars a year. Yeah. For Austin Reeves, he had a good season. He had. I a mean, good, well, he had. What well, was most impressive was his postseason. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. And and more impressive than his season, his regular season, was how much he showed up after the deadline and how much he factored in the postseason. If Austin Reeves doesn't perform the way he did in the starting uh, starting five through this postseason, the Lakers don't make it to the Western Conference Final, and there's no arguing with that. Now, do I think they need another star? Yeah. Um, who will manifest to become that third star in the Lakers? I don't know yet, but Reeves, I think, is an important part of the, the formula, and I think that, I think that, yeah, to your point, You know, if all of a sudden you have a team, another team interested in signing him and, you know, we're talking about $5 million more per year, is that going to break the bank for the Lakers? I mean, is it going to destroy their cap to go $20 million over their uh, initial bargaining price? I don't don't think so, but 
I, I mean, that's up to the, the general manager and the capologist and the people who are keeping their eyes on the business side of this team to figure out. I, I think he's worth it. I think that what we saw from him um, was not only he can be a role player, but he can take over games from an offensive standpoint. There were games where, you know, Anthony Davis or LeBron James or both of them kind of had off nights and he scored 20 or 25 plus and factored on the defensive side. And that's you could point to him as the reason why the Lakers won postseason games. And how often can we say that about LeBron James led teams? Not very often. So I, I think I, it's worth it. I look at his numbers and and again, this is you gotta give the Lakers credit. Somebody saw something in this kid. I mean, if you go back over his college career, he had a couple of completely forgettable years at Wichita State. He sits out of here, he transfers to Oklahoma. His numbers were good, nothing that jumps out at you. Nothing that really jumps out at you. And you look at his postseason numbers this year. In 16 postseason games this year, by the way, averaging over 36 minutes a night. Averaging. He averaged 17 points, 4.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists, shooting 44% threes, 90% from the free throw line. I mean, those are big-time numbers. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, yeah, this is a no-brainer for the Lakers, whatever it takes. You've got to keep Austin Reeves on this roster. And he's just a good teammate. Yeah, just a good that's, teammate. Can, that's can, I, can I throw something out to you? Yeah, yes. go ahead, Bo. Uh, you know, I think the Lakers might be putting out these, uh, these rumors that they'll match any offer for Reeves um, simply to discourage teams from even offering him a contract in the first place. Yeah, but if so, you're another team and you want to, no one wants to do the Lakers any favors. No, but they don't want to tie up their cap room for you know how many days you get to match. You get like, well, this is what we talked about last week. Yeah. though, is like if you if you were to offer him a four year one hundred million dollar contract, and then the Lakers say we were just kidding, we wish him all the best. Yeah. <laughs> now you have Austin Reeves, and you yeah. just used up all that I, money. I, I think they're going to keep him, but I, I do think they're going to get him cheaper because they could also just agree on a contract before free agency even begins or anything well, like that. Well, I wouldn't but. do that if I were Austin Reeves. I wouldn't either, but uh, he seems I, to I'm enjoy. Not, uh, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> yes. He seems to enjoy being a Laker. Yeah, well, I mean, and he, they gave him an opportunity when no one else did. Do you, do you guys but ever you're not going to walk away from money. No. Do you, do you guys see his, uh, his billboard ads driving around Los Angeles at all? I have yeah. seen. Where are these? Yeah, uh, I believe he is partnered with LemonDaddy.com. I'm not sure what really? that is. I believe it's a, an automobile mm. service. So, well, it's it's one of those towns, uh, L.A., New York. You know, there's there's other large markets, Miami, where players love to play, where you have exposure. You have exposure to if you sign with the right marketing person, agents to local car dealerships and local um, businesses or even national advertisers who want to break um, break way into a larger market and want to do it on more of a budget. So yeah, maybe you can't afford LeBron James or Anthony Davis, you know, but you could get or Russell Westbrook when he was still playing, but you can get uh you can get a an an Austin Reeves. You know, maybe you can't afford a Kawhi or a Paul George, but you can get a Rui Hachimura. Like there are benefits to playing in these larger markets, you know, where you know, obviously, L.A. with two teams. I was naming players from both the Lakers and the Clippers where you have your bigger name, your bigger draw players. But 
if you're a lesser brand or if you have a lesser marketing dollar to and you want to try to get into those markets, you could use Austin Reeves. And Austin Reeves, what, is he going to turn down free money? I mean, outside of it being, you know, some deplorable business, like, yeah, I mean, shoot, money's green. Let's do it. Throw me on a billboard with Lemon Daddy. I mean, that's not happening in Milwaukee, my guess. You know, the, the fourth best player on the box isn't going to be on a billboard. But in L.A., yeah, that stuff happens. He's worth it. He's worth it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Uh, so we'll see. Of course, Hatchamur is another guy. they got to figure out what they're going to do with him. Uh, let's find out what is trending right now. Nick Cope is uh, sitting there. Um, is Reeves worth all that money, Nick? What do you think? Um, Heck, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> Why not? I, I like the way he played in the playoffs. I, oh, he played great. Yeah. I, I, guess, I guess when you look at a guy like Austin Reeves, and what he did in this postseason and down the stretch with this team, is it going to get better? I mean, is that his plateau, which is good? Yeah. But does he go another step? Does he get to all-star level? Is that Maybe. even possible? Potentially. But I, I feel like guys in the NBA for years, you, guys have been getting contracts where you, you furrow your brow. And you're like, really? They got that much? And, and you're kind of surprised about it. Yeah, well, so Jordan I, Poole is the prime example. Yeah. So I <laughs> I, I think Reeves is going to get paid by the Lakers. He's going to stay there, and, and he'll keep playing in his role quite well. Yeah. Game two of the NBA Finals tonight, by the way. Heat and Nuggets, 8 Eastern. So we got about three and a half hours until that tips off. Denver leading 1-0 in the series. Miami's Caleb Martin is questionable to play due to illness. Baseball, a bunch of games have just gone final. Rays are now a big league best, 42-19. They beat the Red Sox 6-2. Blue Jays have won 6 out of 7, 6-4 the final over the Mets today. Teams combined for 6 home runs. Brandon Belt hit a go-ahead shot in the 7th for Toronto. Brewers won their third straight against the Reds, 5-1 the final. Pirates topped the Cardinals, 2-1. Guardians hung on for a 2-1 win over the Twins. Phillies blew out the Nationals 11-3. Kyle Schwarber homered twice. He's now got 15 big flies on the season. Marlins, they overcame a four-run deficit for a 7-5 win over the A's. And the Angels, they got a go-ahead base knock, a, a double off the wall from Shohei Otani earlier in the ball game, and that would stand up as the game-winning play for the Los Angeles Angels. 2-1, to one, they take down the Astros. Some games going on. Texas, the Rangers just blowing out the Mariners 12-0 in the sixth. 2-0 the lead for the Royals on top of the Rockies. The Colorado Rockies now down to their final three outs. Two to two ball game between the Tigers and the White Sox in Chicago. That one is in the ninth inning. Could be heading for extras, although Chicago has a couple men on. And then a couple games have just been getting going here. We got the Braves and the D-backs as well as the Orioles and the Giants. Both those games in the second inning. No score. Quickly to the French Open. Novak Djokovic and top seed Carlos Alcaraz each one in straight sets. Both into the quarterfinals. On the women's side, a competitive match for American Sloan C but she ultimately comes up short to two-seed Arena Sabalenka. At the Memorial Tournament, they're now on to the back nine, and it has been Denny McCarthy who's been leading for much of this tournament. He's got he's at eight under, a two-shot lead on both Scotty Scheffler, who is in the clubhouse, and Siwoo Kim is also at minus six. Guys, back to you. All right, Nick, thank you very much. Um, by the way, uh, we don't talk a lot of tennis or golf i mean we talk golf 
you know, during the majors. By the way, we're a couple of weeks away from the U.S. Open, Rich, which will be in Los Angeles at a country club that is so exclusive that nobody knows it exists uh, in the city of Los Angeles. Like, literally, no one. They're like, where's the L.A. Country Club? It's been around for 100 years. I, I always tell them, have you ever driven on Wilshire Boulevard? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah. Well, then you drive by it every time you're on Wilshire. My, uh, no one my... knows where it is. And by the way, they never actually, they had the Walker Cup, which is like the amateur version of the Ryder Cup a few years ago. Yep. But outside of that, the only time they ever had any tournament golf there was the U.S., uh, the L.A. Open, like in the late 30s, early 40s. So you talk about a mystery course. I mean, they never played tournament golf there, ever. Um, the couple things I can tell you about uh, L.A. Country Club, because my wife's parents have been members there forever yeah is they have an unbelievable easter egg hunt for the kids Ah. they have a really cool christmas display because they get this architectural engineer to do their gingerbread house which is like 20 or 30 feet long so we go there most most christmases to look take a look at that it's a beautiful course gorgeous course it's perfectly manicured they've done a lot of work to it to get ready for the open there's a problem what's the problem parking there is no parking there is no parking there is absolutely no parking and by the way um they're gonna have a limited crowd there's only so many people that can be on that course that's I mean, also so, true. some of these majors you can you know have unlimited seemingly uh patrons there that will not be the case with this course um so uh, it's, well, it's gonna be do- pretty exclusive as far as the uh gallery is concerned what they'll do for the U.S. Open, I guarantee it, is they'll have, they will have shuttles because they do this oh, yeah. for all of the golf events to a certain extent. There's obviously clubhouse parking, which is for you know the pros and the yeah. caddies and you know the mission critical um, staff, support staff, and you also have to make room for the manufacturers. So Taylor made Callaway, Titleist, all of these different manufacturers who want to have trucks especially at majors so you have last minute um, equipment situations with the pros they can go into the truck they can get fitted for a new club they can be on their way stuff like that so you have to make room for all that plus the television trucks and all those things as well so there's going to be limited parking on site what they do is they just sort of take over different parking garages around these cities where they host these events and then they shuttle players in so it'll be an early day for a lot of players um getting over the course like it always is in golf but even earlier still because los angeles man that's one thing about the city of los angeles and we know this from covering super bowls there steve and you know other big events around that city even just regular primetime games is nobody else cares what's happening they're still on the road they're traveling it's not like the city stops because there's a u.s open so you got to fight traffic too by the way, I saw a stat here since we're going off the rails here. Uh, Djokovic uh, getting to the quarterfinals of the French Open. That's the second most quarterfinals in a career. Only Federer had more. He had 58, if you count all the different Grand Slam tournaments. Yeah, wow. Uh, Serena had 54. And also Chris Everett had 54. What makes Chris Everett's number so incredible about 54 quarterfinals? She only competed in 56 Grand Slam tournaments. Oh, wow. In her entire career. She got at least to the semis, 52 of the 56 that she played in. Not bad. But did, mean, she ever, did she ever crash into Steven Tyler? She never, well, I can't say that. Yeah, yeah, well. She did hook up with Greg Norman for a while. 
Okay. I wonder if she follows the Live Tour or, uh, by the way, uh, <laughs> the Live Tour ratings are not good. No, no, no. no. As expected. But just the other day, somebody played three rounds of golf and made $4 million. Oh, it was uh, a Harold Varner third. He hadn't you, won a tournament in forever. And he you remember all the winning Harold Varner did on the PGA, <laughs> Harold Steve? Varner, and in, in three days of golf, he collected a paycheck for $4 million. It's not bad. For a tournament that nobody watched. All right, so what is going to happen tonight? Game two of these NBA Finals. We'll give you our thoughts coming up. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Thaddeus Ward ready. Here's the pitch. Swung on, hit in the air, left field. This one's got a chance. Going back is Garrett to the track, to the wall. Look it up. It's gone. And it's the second three-run home run of the day for Mr. June, Kyle Schwarber. And the Phillies now lead it 11-1. to Well, that's good news that he's Mr. June because even with his two-for-five, six-RBI day, he's still hitting 172, batting leadoff. Kyle Schwarber doesn't really look like a leadoff guy. But that's where the Phillies are using him right now. Phillies, Fenny National League champs, trying to get out of a hole that they dug the first two months of the season. By the way, that's the Phillies Radio Network, and that is our Progressive Play of the Day, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Steve Hartman, Rich Ornberger. This is Fox Sports Sunday, and we are live from the HireRack.com studios. Uh, we welcome back uh, Iowa Sam this weekend. Sam, uh, are you already he's, he's sitting around with his London cup, Rich? That's yes, right. My mug. Yeah, his mug. It's not a bug. It's a cup. Little it's cup. A, it's a mini cup. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, cup like a handle. souvenir cup that actually isn't meant <laughs> to actually have any liquid in it. <laughs> what? You know the difference between a souvenir cup and one that you actually drink out of? His is a souvenir Wait, cup. It's got a handle. I can drink out of it. That's yeah, a souvenir. Am I gonna have, get, well, Sam, have you drank out of it yet? Yeah, I'm drinking out of it right now. What do you got in there? A coffee? No, it's it's All a right. souvenir cup, like something you put on display. No. Wait a second. It's not. Wait, wait. Can you hand wash it, or is it, it? I mean, is this something that is supposed to be displayed? I think you can throw it in the dishwasher. <laughs> But you know, it's it's you know. In, well, if you want to race the London on it, yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, I'll probably hand wash it for a while. You know, in uh, in <laughs> England, in London, they call regular just coffee, like drip coffee. They call it an americano. And I think an americano here is something different. It's like yeah, it's su- hot water. It's and like espresso. espresso, and yeah, it's it's intense. Yeah, but over there, that's just what. How like, close did we come to losing here. you and and you being a permanent resident? Though? Um, zero percent. Zero percent. Yeah, just I, uh, it's it's. It, it's uh, England and London is more expensive than L.A. Somehow. He actually said it's it's like California with bad weather. That's right. Yeah. Right. That or actually, the weather, when I was there, the weather in in London was better than the weather has been here. It's been very gloomy here. Very gloomy. Very did, gloomy. You, uh, did you did you find gloom. that you uh, you fit in while you were in London? Uh, yeah. Everyone kept calling me Ed Sheeran, so that was nice. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. it worked out well. <laughs> Yeah, and the standards are different. He is very. He told me the first time he was there, he was really popular with the girls. Uh-oh. No, that was in Japan. Oh, Japan. That's right, yes. Japan. Like, but I saw probably five men who looked like King Charles, and they could have just been King your Charles. Your paleness really resonated. Well, when I was in Japan, I was fifteen. I was already like five foot something, uh, had really light blonde hair, but I was taller than most of the full grown men there. Yeah, so very good. I was like five four probably. Excellent. Uh, Nick doesn't have that problem. Nick is doing it wherever he's at. 
<laughs> Nick is like you, Rich. Well, it's, my point is, you, what does that mean? Well, Nick is Nick is he's Nick, doing Nick, it all the time, he's, every he's, time. He's like that silver fox guy. You know, he's like you, Rich. I mean, he's got that great hair. I yep. started getting. I, I found my first gray hair as a sophomore in college. Right, yeah. right, right in the front. It got me. Yeah, I thought I was a sophomore in high school. But I mean, you have great hair, and it, just, oh, was it good looks then. good. It yeah. looks great. Yeah. Nick's kind of a touch of gray guy. Like Rich's is like white. Yeah. yeah. White yeah, yeah. hair. And well, Nick's got Rich, kind of a gray, peppery, gray thing going. Yeah, it's, it's working. And then there's Bo, who uh, apparently is not a Phillies fan, but he doesn't hate the Phillies. Yeah. I, I'm trying to figure this out. Do you actually have a firm allegiance in baseball? Yeah, I'm a Dodgers fan. All the way. I, I host a Dodgers podcast with uh, old friend Ryan Bershinger. Mm-hmm. Um, been going to Dodger games my entire life. I went to the Dodger game on Tuesday. Uh, it was the Arias jersey night. And Did you get one? I, it's, I, so here's what happened. <laughs> this is yeah. classic. So I went there with Denise. That's my ex. And my three kids. So, you know, again, yeah, when little, I say kids, uh, they're, all, they're all in their 20s, right? Yeah. So the five of us go down to the game, and Denise is walking. We're walking from the parking lot. She has a purse. I go, that purse is too big. She goes, now they'll let me in. No. <laughs> so Garrett had all the tickets on his phone. All right. So we got in, the four of us, because we want to make sure, we because they were getting out like 40,000 of these jerseys. And then Garrett walked all the way back to the car to put back the purse and then re-entered. So there were 46,000 people, 40,000 jerseys. Do the math, right? Yeah. So I had the jersey and the wrapper underneath my seat, and I'm in the midst of all of us, right? I only left my seat once, and Denise and my daughter were still sitting there. So it's now toward like the ninth inning. I reach underneath my seat, gone. Somebody stole it. Now I'm thinking about why would they do that? Like there's eBay. they gave away I know exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They'll do this. And with then I turn heads. around and yeah. I didn't there was no one seated directly behind me the entire game. Yeah. And still they got it. Yeah. Unbelievable. Very I remember nice. one time I got a, a game baseball, sat set it down at the concession stand to reach into my my uh mm. pocket for my phone or wallet or whatever. Right. Turn my back for a second to go to leave with the stuff I had paid for. Forgot that I had left my baseball there. The guy behind me in line had already jammed it in his pocket. Yeah, gone. I literally walked back up. I was just like, hey, um, buddy, I had this ball sitting right there. I said, and all of a sudden you have uh, like a ball-shaped uh, uh, area in your <laughs> front pocket. I was like, can I have my ball back? And he goes, oh, this was yours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. like, yeah, as a matter of fact, it was. Uh, it's not I was like, like I was going to wear the jersey. It, I mean, I yeah. love going to Dodgers. I've already been to like three games this year. It's been fine. i got to get down to Petco very uh, soon. $85 on eBay right now for one of those jerseys. $85, yeah, yeah and he got it for free. So there it is. He made some yeah. money. Um I think it was the guy. By the way, that's idea. your jersey on eBay that Bo just looked yeah. up. <laughs> All right. Uh, over, <laughs> under, uh, let's forget that. These point spreads, eight and a half. Uh, yeah. Who are you taking tonight? Nuggets. To cover the eight and a half? Yes. Wow. But you say go over 25 and a half with Jimmy Butler. Yeah. I think uh, I'm going to, I'm always wrong, folks. Here it is. I'll lock it. <laughs> Take the heat. They'll cover the spread. This is Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 